Hey, yo, welcome to another edition of 43.6, the sports podcast you always wanted. I'm Dustin Perry, and I'm joined by James Key. Hello, James. Hello. And joined by Maddie Key as well. Hello, Maddie. Happy Cyber Monday. Happy Cyber Monday to all of you out there, and thank you again On for... a Tuesday or Wednesday or whenever you listen to this. <laughs> yeah, happy Cyber whatever day it is when you listen to this episode. We are, of course, recording on Cyber Monday. The show that we are recording is 43.6. It's available on all your favorite podcast platforms around the world. And this is episode 33, which is brought to you by Now Your Treasures, but we'll talk a bit more about them later. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the Canada men's soccer team, and by extension, John Herdman. We'll recap week 12. I can't believe it's week 12 already. <laughs> or week 12 is already over of the NFL schedule, and we'll give our picks who we think is going to make some money on week 13. The Toronto Maple Leafs have quite the long laundry list of injuries. We'll dive into that a bit. And this past weekend was Survivor Series, and we have to at least talk a bit about war games and everything that survivor series was all that and a whole lot more coming up today on 43.6 episode 33 of 43.6 but before we get to all that we do like to talk about our week and everything that has happened thus far since we last talked into these microphones over discord and then recorded and given out to every one of you james we'll start with you what has your week been like oh dude i've just been doing like fucking tons of holiday shopping like that's kind of been my thing this past week is I've kind of started that, I guess, you know, with the black Friday craze and everything like gets you kind of in the spirit. And then, you know, you know, what's a big lifesaver this time of year. And I mean, I didn't think much of it when it came out, but now it's basically like a staple of my financial life are things like Klarna and Sezzle and Afterpay. Like these are, these are, lifesavers when it comes to the holiday season i don't use them too much during the year but holiday man like and i remember when it started and people were like yeah i just do afterpay and i get to pay in installments with no interest i'm like bullshit like it's, it's got to be a scam like why would these companies do that with no interest like what's what's the hook no hook <laughs> I, I use them every holiday now on the regular and there's no hook so I did that's... it one time for a TV I bought like over a decade ago, and it was through like Future Shops. So that's how long ago this was. It was Future right, Shop. but that's that's different. You got the card from Future Shop, right? Right. So I had to sign up for like a Future Shop credit card, and I'm like, okay, cool, like 24 months equal payments, no interest, whatever. But like every month, I got dinged for like a payment insurance charge or whatever. So like the amount that I was deferring was insured by some company or whatever. So it was like an extra four dollars every month. So like that's, we, a, that's I, how they the got first me. the first time I did that, I don't know if Maddie remembers this, I was like 18, 19, and I got a Bay credit card to get a Sony TV at the Bay. And uh, so similar to you and I it was but I didn't have any of the insurance thing and I paid it off like in in two years. But the the difference with the when they get you to sign up for the credit card versus like a Klarna or a Sezzle, like when I got the Bay card, I paid off the TV and I was like, well, I'm never going to fucking use this card again until the week after when I went and bought something at the Bay and it wasn't as part of the payment plan. So I just, they collected interest on it when I didn't pay. Like, that's the thing, right? They assume you're going to use the card after the big purchase where you get the no interest, no whatever. But with, with these payment programs, it's literally like it automatically comes out of your account in fractions with no interest. 
the only time you have to pay anything is if you don't meet the expectations of the payment plan, right? So, yeah, man. I've just been diving deep into the installment payments of uh, the holiday season. So Amazon had their own like Amazon thing yeah. for a long time. Did they get rid of that? And now you can no. only use. So on some things, on some things, they will use their like own after... payment system. Yeah. But on some things, they use a firm, which yes. which uses which lets you pay in installments, but add tax on a small bit of interest anyway. Um, yeah. But the yeah the Amazon one's better because there's no interest. Exactly, because like I haven't seen the Amazon one in a while, and I've been wondering, and I'm like, I kind of want it, but you know what? I think it's on their own products. Like if you go to, like if you look at a Fire TV, I think you can still choose the Amazon plan. Um, but <laughs> the other thing is is that um, Amazon also has like a layaway program. Remember layaway? Remember back in the day, dude? <laughs> Do you can go into his dude? Layaway was the weirdest fucking shit. You could buy something at a Zellers, right? And you can pay in installments, but they kept it. Like they, like they would have it behind the customer service counter, yeah. which is like the dumbest idea ever, right? It's just so weird like for the company because like you're still, like, you're still storing it in your warehouse, so that's costing you your warehouse space. Right, exactly. Right. There's like what I've learned in my my time being a vendor, and I'm sure you've learned in your time being on the the retailer side is that warehouse space has an inherent holding cost that's baked into your into your items right so right. when they do those things like sure you're you're probably getting people buying stuff but you're decreasing your margin because you have to bake in this holding cost now or any injuries someone has tripping over a fucking bike behind the customer service counter right well, it's always a risk too, because like, what if someone accidentally just sells your item because they don't know or they didn't check? They're like, "Oh yeah, it's in here. Let me just ring it up." Right. Right. Yeah, and they don't have like back then. They didn't have sophisticated inventory systems like we have now, right? So it's not like they can just look up on a, a little device saying, "Oh, we have five in stock." Like, no, there's one fucking... in the back. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, there's one right there. I'll give it to you. <laughs> that shit's fucking... still not right. You go like you go to fucking Best Buy. Like, yeah, we got 15 in stock, and then they go like, oh, we can't find them. It's like, go fuck yourself, man. <laughs> yeah, and your payment plan too probably wasn't recorded on a decent. It was a Duotang with uh, printed <laughs> with carbon <sheets>. paper. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's my gimmick this week. I gotta figure. I gotta start Christmas shopping, man. Like I haven't started. I bought one thing for my wife, but like I generally get her a collection of things. So like I we try to cap what we spend on each other, which really pissed me off because the one year we had like a gentleman's agreement to not spend too much money on each other. And then that year she bought me the origin stories, the uh, Jordan origin story shoes, not even like retail. Like she got them aftermarket and was really upset. Because I was like, look, I didn't really get you what these are worth. And I know what these are worth. So I don't know. Now I just get a collection of things until I think I'm like in the ballpark of what she'll be happy with. Dude, what should all, I get her? All of Hall, all, you should get her. Uh, actually, I don't know. But you <laughs> should get her a Mark Giordano jersey. Yes. <laughs> on all the, um, do you remember though, back in the day, like all the shopping we used to do around this time, like, dude, when it was just you and I, and like, we didn't have like significant others or whatever, yeah. like we used to do, like we were the Kings of the last minute Christmas shop. Like it'd be like December 22nd oh, yeah. 
It'd be like, let's just fucking pound this out in the mall in, in a day. Um, Promenade. You're, because you're literally describing what I'm going to be doing. I don't plan on doing any Christmas shopping <laughs> until I'm on my Christmas break from work. And then, remember, but like, online shopping killed this, though. You remember the hype, dude? Yeah. The hype for Black Friday and the hype for Boxing Day. Like, Boxing Day more... Online we used to get up at like killed. three in the morning, dude. Yeah, and the lineups. And remember the time I went to Vaughn Mills, and like we would, get, we I would drive, and I would let everyone out and be like, find a parking spot and call me. And they, we, I would let everyone out of the car, and they would find a park, and they would sit there, and people would lose their minds at these kids because they'd be standing in a parking spot waiting for me to find them so that we could park there. Like it was and intense. it was terrible cell service at the time too. Like cell cell reception was not good at that time. And text like fifty fifty if they got through. Yeah, dude. But like those events, like those, the hype. Like I remember going to the Best Buy. Where was it? At, on Wilson near uh, near the four hundred one. The Krispy Kreme. Yeah, and but like when yeah. Krispy Kreme was there, and like people were lined up, dude. And it was like four in the morning and they're like shivering. They've got coffee and you're like, dude, what are you here for? Well, I'm fucking here for an Xbox, man. Like, <laughs> it's like, dude, just go home. Get warm. Stay healthy. You can't enjoy an Xbox when you're dead. Like, just go home. Well, I think like, I think Black Friday has killed a lot of that hype too, because it wasn't until about like four or five years ago that Canada really transitioned into embracing Black Friday. Like before we used to like meme on the States and watch the videos, which I'm not going to lie, is still my favorite thing to do is to watch like the weekend <laughs> recap of people putting the videos online of Black Friday but rush. This year I saw like people being like massive Black Friday rush and it's just one dude strolling <laughs> into a fucking <laughs> Walmart, grabs a TV and heads to the cash because yeah, it's, like it, on, it's online killed, it. killed it. Yeah. Yeah. Online. Yeah. Yeah. But e com also and, brought Black Friday here, right? Like, because we, like, it's it's because of e com sales that we had parity with the states because of Walmart or Amazon are like, well, they have this big shopping day. We could do it here too. Like, if it wasn't for, like, like, e com helped bring Black Friday here. Right? I also think, I think Black Friday took off so quickly here because, like, it does in the states. Here, our day was always Boxing Day, like Boxing Day, and the Boxing Week was always the big shopping time for us. Now, I guarantee you, the numbers on the week of Black Friday eclipse Boxing Day by at least double because people get all their Christmas shopping done. They're yeah. like, I can just do all and hammer all this shit out. Yeah, yeah right, totally. So. I like it. It was. I'm surprised they didn't do it sooner because all these places could have been like, you know what? Let's just do our own Black Friday. You know, like your Canadian Tires or your um, Best Buys and shit like that. Like a, in Canada divisions, they could have done it for the longest time. They just chose not to um, mm -hmm. because they were like, no, we have Boxing Day. But yeah, well, uh, Canadian Tire had been doing it for as long as I remember because I worked at a store when I was like in high school, and like that would have been you know, a lifetime ago, essentially when I was in high school and they had the black Friday thing, they called it something else, but like they had black Friday deals back then too. So that was like 20 something years ago, but like not every retailer in Canada jumped on it. Like they did, which no. maybe is why they're still around and you know, other retailers aren't. But the one thing we can, you know, we can thank Ecom for though, is saving the lives. Like you said, of people on, on like how many people live because of Tramplings, e yeah <laughs> right like think about that like it sounds stupid but if one life is saved because e-com took the rush away from black friday then it was all worth it like can you think of a time where you lined up to get something 
Yes. There's a year that we lined up because we used to do like multiple Christmas dinners. Um, so like we would do like our mom and that side of the family on one day. And then, you know, like my dad and like that side of the family on another day. And then one year they, I guess, did like an early boxing day at Zeller's. And we used to have a friend who worked there and he told us, he's like, Hey, they're going to do like an early boxing day. It's going to be like the week before Christmas and it's going to like culminate on boxing day, but like there's going to be door crashers. And we went and lined up at the Zellers at center point mall, young and steel shout out to the block. And we got our mom a TV. And I remember we were in line strategizing. And I think I referenced this story at the last week of the week before. And we were like, Hey, we don't have a surround sound system for like the basement that Jimmy and me lived in at my grandparents. He's like, I'll go get that. He's like, Matt, you go get the TV for mom. And I was like, all right. And I booked it. There was like a huge lineup, people gunning it. Cause they said, we only have like 15 of these TVs and they were like 70% off. And it was like a Sony Bravia is a really nice TV. And I booked it. And I remember I gullied this kid into like a dis pants display of like the old brett favre jeans <laughs> like i i mean full out I'm like sure they were wrangler yeah wrangler here <laughs> for the visual dustin i full out like heisman the kid <laughs> right into the wrangler jeans like your ed o'neill yeah first in line poke high first yeah. in line and yeah, like I remember that. And then the year Jim referenced, like we went to the Best Buy at four in the morning, but that was with like our uncle Tom yeah, because he wanted to get something. And so we were like, Hey, we're going to go too. And then Jim and me and his girlfriend at the time went and me and his girlfriend were like, we're not standing out in this shit. We sat at the Krispy Kreme, just eating free donuts. We, um, we also lined up for the OG Xbox at Future Shop. Yes. Yes, we, I remember we, that. We, we pulled our money that year. Yeah. And then we bought Halo. Got, I, well, for free. Halo, yeah. Because the lady and forgot we, to scan it. Yeah, we got that for I forgot that. We got some shit for free because the lady, like, forgot or just didn't rush, scan yeah. it properly. Yeah. So, I mean, we, the other thing is, like, I don't think, like, I've lined up for stuff at, like, expos and stuff. Like, yeah. not for, like, again, I think we've talked about this, but, like, autographs and stuff. But like, speaking of that, man... The one thing I wanted to get this week was so Eminem had a collaboration with Marvel where they reprinted the latest run of Spider-Man number one with Eminem and Spider-Man on the cover and they're rap battling and it was for $30 on Eminem store. I don't even fucking care about Eminem. I just like rare comic books. So I wanted one. So when I checked on Saturday, it was sold out. Like it was dropped on Saturday. It's now selling for 300 on eBay. Like fuck sakes, man. That's after aftermarket people are ruthless, man. Yeah, says the guy with the origin stories. Yo, that wasn't my choice. <laughs> I've only I've only personally bought one set of shoes aftermarket, and those are my Gundams. Those are my Dunk High Unicorn Gundams, and those are sick. And I may get the Unicorn Banshee Gundams with my work bonus if it's decent enough. What about you, Dustin? You ever line up? You ever line up for nerd? You ever line up for any of these things? <laughs> um. So. In my head, I'm thinking it was Halo 2 or, th or Halo 3. Like, I have fragments of this memory. 
but I'm looking at the date now, like when Halo 3 was released. It was like 2007. Like, so it couldn't have been that date. So this is what I remember. I remember I was working at Montana's. So that would have been like in 2008 through 2014. So in that time frame, I guess. And I wasn't lining up like, like I wanted the game essentially, but like my shift ended at like 1130. So I'm like, well, Future Shop's right there. I'll just walk across the parking lot and go stand in line and get the game and take it home and play it. Like, I didn't feel like as much of a loser as all those other guys who were standing and waiting in line for three fucking hours. Sir. I'm like, I just got off. I literally just got off work. So I'm just going to go you're, jump in You're line. talking to a guy who used to work at UB Games GameStop. I hosted so many midnight launches at Fairview Mall. Like, and even... Like, I did security one year for him. Dude, yeah, for, for, for Black Friday or Boxing Day, you did security yeah. for me. Because you can only let so many people in the store. But yeah, I mean, we used to like fair you for all the Call of Duties. We would get massive lineups for oh, people yeah. to buy. And GTAs. I, actually, now that I think about it, this happened twice. So the one I'm remembering, I was outside Future Shop. And then like this car rolls up and just yells out to everybody. Hey, Blockbuster's open too and there's no line. <laughs> <laughs> Which I assume was just a bunch of Blockbuster employees. I'm like, oh, yeah. They sell games there. I, I just didn't clue in that they would have been opened at midnight, right? So I just walked over to Blockbuster, picked up the game, and went home. The f- and <laughs> it would have been funny if that was the day after the Blockbuster's closed. <laughs> like, Blockbuster's <laughs> so there's no line you go there. It's, like, closed permanently. You're like, fuck. And so, the other time, I remember going to EB Games. And this wasn't, like, at midnight, though. Mm-hmm. I just remember there being a big line to get Grand Theft Auto Four. No, it would have been four. Five. Been five. Five. It must have been five. <clears throat> it has been five. And it was a huge line all the way down like the, the the pathway of the mall. I don't know what you call that. The hallway of the mall. And I'm looking around like this. This sucks. I don't want to do this. And then sure enough, another person comes walking by like, hey man, Target's got him. I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> I just walked into Target, grabbed the game and left. But I guess there's there's people who were there for like, oh, I have a reservation for the collector's edition, or yeah, I want, well, or I don't have a people... reservation for the collector's edition, and I want one. To me, I'm like, I don't give a shit. I and I'll tell you this: game. having worked there for almost a decade, like some of the these guys get off on being in line. Like some of them like enjoy the experience of standing in line, talking to other gamers. You know, like we would yeah. do. We, that's their like, social experience. <laughs> we that's the that's the gist of their social. Um, but. And then, then when we introduced the edge card, like the new version where it had tiered, like if you had a platinum card or whatever, you got to go to the front of the line for for pre-orders. Like when they, <laughs> like when they still did midnight launches, like they don't anymore. But like, they, you could have priority access, which I thought was kind of stupid. Like, EB Games creating class systems here. <laughs> Dude, yeah, like oh, I see you only have a red edge card. Back of the line, back of the line, bitch. Yeah. You like, like you're saying, if the whole appeal to the people who do this is the socialization and like just the fun of doing the community, it, yeah, yeah, like skipping to the front of the line, is that the no, best one? Even the best one was what the for, whole point is for Modern Warfare Three, I think it was, or it was Black Ops Two. I forget which one it was. We did a midnight at Fairview, and I would do like activities outside with the lineup while we waited. And my DM was there this year. His name was Brian. He was the fucking best. Um, when you say DM, do you mean district, district manager? Yeah, yeah. 
that could have also meant like dungeon master so I just, yeah. <laughs> nerd. my dm was there my dungeon master was there we we quested in the in the line um no we uh i held a dance contest <laughs> with like because the cool thing well cool for me weird for them is that i can make these people do whatever i wanted for swag and that was the best thing i'd be like okay i've got call of duty t-shirts to hand out I'm like, how the fuck am I going to do this? I'm like, all right, dance contest. And these fucking kids would just break dance in the middle of the fucking parking lot at Fairview at 11 o'clock at night. It's fucking amazing. Imagine paying for a Call of Duty. Jesus. Um, <laughs> but no, like that, we also used to do before reserve seating in movie theaters. We used to line up for movies. Oh, man. I, yeah. I forgot about that. That was fun. I So th- I, this leads me to two stories. One was you mentioned Montana's and I giggled because there's a, like my best friend, me and Jimmy grew up with this kid and he's one of those dudes where he doesn't intentionally try to be funny, but just the shit that he says and the shit that he does is just pure comedy. Like legitimately in tears on the floor laughing. Every time we see him, there's a new story of something. So he were used to work at Montana's. He was in the back. He was like, cook or whatever i don't know what you did but that's what he did and he was carrying this thing and he spilt like a little bit of grease and he's like okay i'll clean that up after literally goes drops off what he's doing goes back slips on it arm dips in the deep fryer and fucking burns his arm (laughs) like second degree burns on his arm he's like he calls me after like a couple days later telling me the story he's like Worst part, no one fucking cleaned it up. It's like, is your spill? You said you were, going, you were going to clean it up. He's like, I forgot. And just, or the the, the uh, lawyer one is the best one. Oh, yeah. So then one time he was like, we're driving in the car and some guy like cut us off. And we we're just like, what the fuck is this? Right. And he's like, no, you know what you do? You get their fucking license plate. And I was like, yeah. And so you call them and you play the YouTube video. Diamond in diamond, they know what's up. <laughs> what the? How, how do you call them with their license plate? That's the that's that's the that's the funny part. Oh, is like okay. he thinks you have their plate, you can get their phone number, and like, or like this one time, he's like, "Yo, I went on a date with this girl," and he's like, "We went back to her condo. She lives on King Street. Her elevator opened right up into her condo, and he's like, it was really nice. He's like, I sat down. He's like, I just." I wasn't in the mood. And then so I was like, really? He's like, yeah, I just, I couldn't. And then so it's like, okay, what happened? He's like, I told her. So I left. She's like, you should leave. He's like, good idea. And he's like, I get down to her parking. I'm driving around her parking garage for 45 minutes to an hour. I was like, why? He's like, I got lost. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? He's like, so confusing. There's levels. It says out, you go down, but then you go up and you think, he's like, I got lost. I had to call her. She had to come down and help me get out of the fucking parking lot. And I was like, you're such an idiot. But uh, the other story is, is so disregarding what the movie ended up being, Green Lantern is like my favorite superhero. And the Green Lantern movie came out the weekend of my birthday one year. And I was like, they're like, what do you want to do for your birthday? It's like, I want to go see Green Lantern. But we had to line up for it. And so we were lining up. And I remember we're standing there. We're all excited. First in line, there was like eight or nine of us. And so hyped for this movie. And... Like I said, and then these two people just show up and get in front of us, like just cut us off at first in line and stand there and start like acting like nothing happened. And I was like, hey, hey, guys, I was, you know, back of the lines over there. There's like maybe 15, 20 people in line at this point. And they're like, oh, well, it's just two of us. 
right? And Jim goes, he's like, hey, man, like, it's my brother's birthday. Like, guys, just back of the line. And the guy just kept brushing off like, oh, it's not a big deal. I literally went full, like, Johnny Drama and Entourage when he's like, sit down to the guy in the Aquaman theater. And I just told the guys, like, I will throw you over this three-story balcony. Get to the back of the fucking line. And he's just looking at me. He's like, I'm not fucking kidding. <laughs> and he's just, like, all freaked out. And just took his, like, fat-ass girlfriend at the time. And to the back of the line, I was so tilted. I was ready to throw fists. But that's my story of lining up for shit. I miss uh, those days. Do you have a story of what you did this week? Yeah, I bought a shit ton of crap at Black Friday and then my wallet is weeping. And I know this is just a precursor for Boxing Day because I'm I'm stupid. <laughs> oh, shit. What'd you buy? I just bought like a lot of clothing. I bought this it, T-shirt. It doesn't, it doesn't end. I have a bunch of these like really long receipts on my yep. desk right now. Bath yep. and Body Works. Buy three, get three free, brother. <laughs> that, I, I don't understand how that company makes money. Because it's like, hey, buy three, we'll give you this box of gifts that equals six hundred dollars. Yeah, because like the three things that you're buying are probably worth twenty five cents, and you're spending you know six dollars a piece on them. Well, no, no, I know. Buy three, get three some free. Kid so it's only three dollars, and if you buy thirty soaps, you just wait till next year <laughs> for the next time. <laughs> That's the sale true. Comes but yeah, I I bought a lot of shit. Like I bought, I bought this t shirt from one of my favorite clothing brands um i bought like four pairs of their shorts three pairs of their pants uh two t-shirts uh i bought some like pre-workout shit i bought some hoodies i like in the span of like three days i i yeah i spent way an exorbitant amount of money that was completely unneeded but i felt justified because i'm like it's 60 percent off and free shipping they get you yeah it's it's the you know what it's not even the discount that gets me on shit it's when i see free shipping that's when i'm in that's when i get in because i'm just like you know what 15 20 30 off cool great that's really only a few bucks but when you're saving me 20 dollars usd on shipping that's how you get me and that's what did it so that's my essentially my week was black friday shopping well, staying on the topic of Christmas, I guess the most exciting thing I did this week was watch the new Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. I don't know if you guys have seen that yet. It's very good. Yeah, it was. I, will. I really did like it. Um, it. I feel like what can you do in 40 minutes? Like, I understand why it wasn't as flushed out as I may have wanted it to. Like, I would have liked to have seen more of Cosmo. I would have liked to have seen more of Nowhere as a whole. And like, how they ended up there and like why all of a sudden they live on nowhere. And I, I imagine we'll get a lot of these answers in the next movie. <laughs> Spoiler but... alert, Jimmy hasn't seen it yet. Oh no, it's fine. I know anything about it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be a spoiler free, but like, it's basically like a buddy cop movie, right? And yeah, or a buddy cop special. And it's, it's their fun characters and their characters you love. And I did and definitely enjoy it. Well, like, especially how they, he just, had that idea as like hey we're filming guardians 3 why don't we just do this and we can get it out and edited by christmas our holiday season like that's why i have such faith in dc with james gunn at the helm because the dude just turns out so much quality 
of different types too. Like he can do the indie shit. He can do Peacemaker. He can do Suicide Squad. He can do Guardians. Like he can do different kind of characters and different explorations in different ways. And I'm just, I don't know. I have faith. And just to see that he's like, I have a plan. And just again, back to the whole Green Lantern thing. Someone mentioned he's like, um, or said report DC has no plans currently for Green Lantern. The HBO show got scrapped. James Gunn's like, I don't know if you're in reply to the guy's tweet and says, I don't know if you're trolling or if your source is just absolute trash, but he's just like, they have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. I heard recently that in the coming weeks or maybe even soon as this week, James Gunn's going to have like a reveal of here's the plan of the next 10 years. Yes. For DC. Well, he did announce today that the everything is one universe. So the comics, the games and the movies and the shows, well, maybe not the comics, but the games, the movies and the shows beginning essentially now are all one universe. That's going to be the, the, the tipping point, right? Where it's like they have to make a clear line in the sand of, Okay, starting at what point are we saying all this matters? Because, you know, if you, if you just look at Batman, like what Batman is the storyline we're following right now? Like, obviously, it's, it's uh, Ben Affleck, but like, that's still not, I don't know, not what we're expecting of Batman. And where he where and especially where that that current batman is in the world of the dc extended universe that they have like he's essentially retired like he's old batman now right Mm -hmm. but still probably like jim and me have had this discussion ad nauseum i i maintain i genuinely feel affleck has been probably the best one we've had in a long time uh i mean you're gonna say christian bale that's fine I, I like Christian Bale's Batman. I think Christian Bale's a great actor. And I, you know what? I don't know if I said it on this show, but I feel like had they reversed the roles of Christian Bale and Heath Ledger as like Christian Bale was a Joker and Heath Ledger was Batman, I still think that movie's incredible. Yeah. So I think it's, it, it's not necessarily Christian Bale. Maybe it's more Chris Nolan as to why those movies were so good. Yeah. But I think there's been a lot mm. of guys. And, you know, and shout out to Kevin Conroy too, who uh, passed away a couple weeks ago. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, like, that's always going to be Batman to me. Like, that iconic voice is what I hear. When I read a Batman comic, it's Kevin Conroy's voice that I hear when I'm reading that comic, right? Yeah. You know what? Go back and watch Batman Begins and The Dark Knight Rises. Those two films don't hold up the same way The Dark Knight does. And I think the reason The Dark Knight holds up is because of Heath Ledger. Like I watched I, the dark. I totally agree. Yeah, I watched the Dark Knight Rises, and they were on TV, and I was just like, uh, like at points, I was just like, just stop, just stop. Like I was just like, just let's get to it. Like there's a lot of so many plot holes too. Yeah, and like the awkward death of Talia Al Ghul. Like it's just it was so <laughs> weird, right? Like, I, I don't know who saw that and said, <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Let's we only take any more cuts of that one, right? <laughs> So I don't think, and like, I don't think What's Her Nuts was a very good Catwoman at all. Like she was Hathaway. Yeah. Like there's just a lot of things that don't, don't sit right when you go back. Right. But that's that's a casting direct. That's a casting choice, right? That's not necessarily uh, Chris Nolan's fault. Although he's, it's very possible. He's like (laughs) the final say in all those casting decisions. But, but nevertheless, I, I agree though. Like, I think those movies are very overrated in a sense that like, 
we never get Batman. Like in Batman Begins, he's you know he's he's learning to be Batman. He's a there's a fucking ninja like in the other part of the world, and he like at the end of the movie becomes Batman and deals with Scarecrow, and that's it. And then Dark Knight, he is Batman throughout the existence of that movie. But then but by, by Rises, he he's retired. He's done. Like he's he's Bruce Wayne again. He's just Bruce Wayne walking around and hanging out with Selena Kyle. Like what? <laughs> Where's the Batman movie? That's what I want. I want the a Batman movie. Can someone which me? the Batman was kind of that, but he was second year, right? Like you don't have, but that's I think why we kind of enjoy Ben Affleck as Batman because he's he's Batman. He's been Batman, and that's what he is. And he's Batman now, and he just Batman's things. Like he has the stories, right? Like it's not like he's developing his stories and his robes and shit like that. Like he has all the tales to tell and he's not, he's close to the end of being Batman, but he's not done being Batman. He's probably like three quarters of the way through. And I just, that's why I think he was personally one of the better, if not like the best in terms of representation of Batman. And he was Jack city. That like also. And I think, I think Batman or Bruce Wayne and Ben Affleck are the same person. Like, oh, I, yeah. I think, I think a lot of what you saw as like that their demeanor is very similar like i just get a sense that they'd be very similar characters yeah i'm i'm all for it like i don't have a any hate towards ben affleck like a lot of people do when that was the first announced i love but if we're doing this thing and i know we are way 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 off topic like if, if we're doing this thing with ben affleck and he's batman okay just make it so but yeah. why at the same time are we also having Robert Pattinson over here Multiverse. being Batman? Well, and then, and then Else, we have you know, 30 Seconds to Mars over here being Joker. And then uh, we have another Joker movie. It's like, what? Well, why? So in the comics, there's Elseworlds, right? Where you get to tell a tale from a different perspective. So what they, what they need to do is, is define, like you said, the What's lineation. Mainline? This is this is the This is the DC Universe story. And these are... And if I'm DC, like, and I, again, I don't know why, they don't, just call them Elseworlds. Yeah. Like, it's not that hard. Just it'd be, Joker it'd be the and Elseworlds and, and a DC Elseworlds story. Like, that's all you have to do, right? But, well, yeah. I know, I just and, collect comic books. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we collect a lot of comics and read a lot of comics. But back to the Kevin Conroy thing, before we kind of transition into the what this actually is, um... I remember when I was a kid, uh, Batman the Animated Series is still like top two, three superhero cartoons ever made. When I was younger, before I got really into them, and to me, I just like the flashing lights and colors and shit from like X-Men and Spider-Man and crap. Batman the Animated Series would come on. And when that theme song came on, Jim would like push me to shut up. And like, he would come on and be, shut it, Batman's on. And he would throw me down. And it's like that to me was the my introduction to Batman, right? Was that show Conroy is Batman, and it's like I can't hear anybody else's voice as Batman. Yeah, I think for all of us, at least in our age group, like we're all in our mid thirties, like that would have been our introduction to Batman was those cartoons and. I may be conflating this. I feel like it was on Saturday afternoons on Fox. I could be wrong. Or Saturday mornings on Fox. I thought it was like Friday nights or Saturday nights on YTV. After school, sir, on Fox. This is what I mean. We all have like three different times of when we thought this show aired. And you know what? It's possible it aired on all of them. 
like it's very possible that they had like the first the the episode actually aired on Friday nights, but then it was replayed on Saturday afternoon and replayed the next Monday morning after school. I don't know, but I always remember it being like right after WWF Superstars on Saturday afternoon, like or it was right after right before. There's a whole bunch of like a cartoon block there on Fox uh, WTV. Fox Kids. Would, yeah, yeah. Fox Kids to Spider Man's, your Digimon's, all of that shit was that Saturday, arguably the best Saturday morning block of television in history. Yeah, and assuming on that Saturday, it was if it was in the summer, so you'd watch all of that, and then leading right into your soccer game that you played in the afternoon, if you were like <laughs> me and grew up playing soccer, and. Around these parts in Brampton, it was serious. You know, soccer in Brampton was a big thing. And we've seen a lot of that with this Canadian men's national team where almost half the roster is from Brampton, which is, blows my mind every time I see it. Like when <laughs> the, the Canada game that uh, unfortunately ended the way it did against Croatia when they were down 2-1 and Jonathan Osorio almost tied it. I'm like, that would have been the coolest thing in the world. Like, I don't know the guy personally, but like he's like a friend of a friend kind of thing. And like that just would have been like really cool, at least for me mm-hmm. on a personal level. Although I'm sure all of us on a personal level want to see Canada succeed in the World Cup. It wasn't meant to be. And I know on this show a week ago, we said this team is better than people are giving them credit for. I still think they are. I still think regardless of how the game went against Belgium, even though like they were the better team against Belgium and should have beat Belgium. And obviously the Croatia game was uh, a bit of a nightmare. And a lot of their shortcomings were very clear and obvious against a better team like Croatia. And we'll have to wait and see how they do against Morocco. I'm expecting not very good based on how Morocco has played thus far. So we're looking at this as Canada potentially doing or going through this entire World Cup process and not even earning a point. How do you feel about this team going into next World Cup? Very good. Mostly because, and I had this conversation with my wife, a lot of these guys are getting picked up by big European clubs from either MLS or Tier 2 European clubs. Like Alistair Johnson's going to Celtic in Scotland, which is the biggest team out there. You know, and Buchanan, I, he's getting picked up by somebody. I can't remember who it was. But not only are these guys getting experience on the world stage, but they're going to be getting experience playing against all of these guys on big club teams throughout Europe, you know? And so not only are they getting that, the real experience in the World Cup now, but they're going to continue to get that after the fact leading into 2026. In saying that, these guys, I don't think the talent is necessarily the issue. I think the guys have the the skill and the ability i think what really came to focus the croatia game was maturity you know i think it wasn't so much of a they can't keep up with croatia i think they just weren't prepared for when a team of that caliber turns it on and decides to press you know when they're down and you know playing desperately like croatia was i and so i that's that's stuff you can learn and grow into um so I'm very optimistic for 2026. I think you'll have um, older Davies, more experienced. You'll have Jonathan David a little older. You'll have, like I said, Buchanan a little older. And and not to say who's going to be coming up before then. You know, maybe there's some prodigal 
talent that's going to be coming up as well by that time. So I feel good. I definitely think Belgium, though, if they win that game, that changes the entire scene for them. You know, for the rest of it. Yeah, if they, I mean, if Canada beats Belgium, you probably don't have John Herdman going out <laughs> to the media and saying they're going to fuck Croatia. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. That's probably not what something he says if they beat Belgium, right? Listen, I'm all for like the Masai Ujiri thing, but I think the Raptors, Masai Ujiri said that after the Raptors being there a couple times. I don't think you can take a group like this and give the other group who happened to be the runners up of the last World Cup that kind of billboard material. Like, I don't think, I don't think maybe that was necessarily the right tactic, but like, I'll come back to that. But like, overall, just to touch on what Maddie was saying, you know, I think the the one key thing that you said that's really interesting is the, uh, you know, it's four years from now and a 16 year old is 20 years old in four years. So the potential that there's this stud player that we don't even know of yet um, coming through the system is very real, um, especially with how popular the sport has gone in this country and and things like that. The one, the couple of things that I noticed in in these games is one, I think Canada's defense, um, not the same as their offense. I think when we talked going into this tournament about like, oh, they're going to be a pressure team, high pace, whatever. I think they, they lack sort of that international lock it down, like ability on the back end. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like to take care, like they, they play, they play soccer almost like, like we're playing hockey, like, Oh, take the ball the other way. (laughs) Let's just fucking go. Um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of apparent nerves, like, especially when they took corners and they're just flying past, you know, over the box, like, and, and right out the other side, or, you know, my dad made a good point. Like Alfonso Davies on his club team is probably the third or fourth option on a, on a penalty for a kick. Like that really should have gone to someone who takes penalties a little more often. Like I would have put Jonathan David in that spot at the same time. I would have liked to have seen more from David in those two games. He kind of felt invisible. Um, Buchanan was always there, but felt like he was kicking field goals. You know what I mean? Like it just, it just, it felt like, it felt like a really big stage for, for the team. And I feel like it's a learning curve. The best thing is, like you said, we have probably three more World Cups with the core of this team. So I'm not... Like, if if these guys are 20, 24, like, they can be 36. They can be the age of the Belgian defenders by the time three World Cups go by. So I'm not well, concerned, and the, really. And the good news... The good news... Sorry to cut you off. The good news, no. of course, is that they're a ho- they're host city, obviously, uh, next World Cup. So there's no... They're in. So Well, there was talk that... That might not be the case. I think because it was Canada is generally not a soccer nation. And so the they, FIFA wasn't going to grant them the automatic berth like most teams got. I think with the CONCACAF qualifying and then as well as getting to this World Cup, I think now they probably are. Dude, if they said Canada, like, fuck Qatar. Like, Qatar's not a soccer nation either. Yeah, yeah but the, that's also a lot of blood money paid. Well, yeah, and in that case, is also it's it's one country instead of having to give away three spots to a host. But you're going to give three Concacaf spots anyways, and the way it shook out 
for this tournament, like Canada was the best. Like they mm-hmm. were the best. And then I don't remember who was second or third. Like it was Mexico and the USA. I don't remember what yeah. like position they were, right? So it's not as if they're screwing anyone else over. Like these are the top three teams in CONCACAF. Um, yeah, I just felt I just felt like there was like it just you, it, you know you know the term rookie mistakes. It felt like there were a lot of rookie mistakes, a lot of balls given away, a lot of through balls that didn't quite make it. Like Davies looked frustrated on a few passes that didn't quite hit his feet. Like it, it was just you know when they scored the first goal, I think I think it woke the Croatians up a little bit, and we're like, nah, fuck this. Like we're not we're not doing this. Um, and that's the difference between a team that's been uh, runner-up versus the Canadians, right? And they didn't know, like, they didn't know how to handle being on their heels. The Canadians, they they didn't. And I think it's because they they basically played the entire Belgian game on the offense. And it was a the goal that was scored was a long ball again that should have never gone through for those defenders. Like that kind of long through ball should never when you have two defenders, like that's that's not that's not acceptable. And there were at least two goals in the Croatia game that were just unacceptable from a defensive standpoint. So I think there needs to be some investment in that system, but otherwise, you know, I'm still, still stoked to watch Morocco, but I don't think, yeah. you know, people are like, Oh, it's a, well, is it Phil? Would you think these guys are going to fucking win? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, I also like, you do make a good point. This core of the team is going to be around for a while. Like look at Uruguay, like Edinson Cavani is like 39 years old and he's still in what like his Balling. fourth or fifth world cup balling and Cristiano yeah, Ronaldo scoring goals. Yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo's 37, Suarez is like 36. Like these guys are playing well into their 30s and at at a high level too. So I definitely think that the majority of the top end talent of this team will be around for a bit, which is nice. And then yeah, let's just hope it can augment with some and I don't think Herdman loses his unless he decides to leave. I think they keep him around for Canada, just one for consistency purposes and two, because of everything he's done both for the women and the men um, to and, elevate soccer in this country. I, I think you have to give that to him unless, like I said, there's a catastrophic, you know, division between the organization and the team or whatever in him. And but, this is the only time he's ever lost back to back, I think as, as a head coach for team Canada. So like, Again, I don't think you can find even in the friendlies leading out. Like they beat Japan, and Japan fucking dummy beat, Germany. Yeah, dummy Germany. So like, I don't know it's a friendly, but still, like these guys are working out. Like, you know. So again, well, they take friendlies in soccer very seriously. No, yeah, I'm not. I'm not worried. I mean, like you said, in four years, when what? what how old is Davies now? Twenty one, twenty two. Davies is twenty two, I believe. I had it opened a second ago. Alfonso uh, Davies is twenty two years old. Yeah. So yeah, that dude's young. He's gonna be twenty six. That's gonna be, and he's gonna have. They're gonna have Concacaf again. They're gonna have. He'll all actually sorts be of... younger. He'll be twenty five, just because his birthday is in November, and obviously right. the World Cup is not supposed to be played in fucking December. But here mm-hmm. we are. Yeah, because yeah, you're playing in a country that in the summer it's fifty degrees at night. Yeah, it's I don't in know. the summer. So, Dustin, you watch a lot of soccer too. What do you like? I know you ask us the questions a lot, but like. I feel like this was kind of your thing. Like you were very high on, you know, I feel bad for Hutchinson, like finally makes it probably not going to be the next one. Um, what are your thoughts? 
I, I do feel bad for Hutchinson. I feel like he probably should have been the guy to get that uh, penalty kick against Belgium, especially if it was going to be the you know the first goal that this country has scored on the men's side, at least, for the World Cup. I thought it would have been nice to give him that opportunity. Um, it, it, they didn't look like they belonged against Croatia. And we'll see what happens with Belgium. I don't know if Belgium's good. Like, well, I know to based on the feet. We're old. Right. Yeah. And, like, the players themselves are saying, like, we're not the young guys we used to be. Like, the FIFA rankings say they're, like, number two or something. But, like, they're, I don't think they're that team. So I think maybe there's a false sense of accomplishment when Canada only had a, a 1-0 score well, against but Belgium. But we talked about that in our preview. We kind of said that, like, they're going to be the pressure team and they're going to take advantage of an aging Belgian team, and that's what happened. They did, and it was a it was a defensive lapse. Again, sorry to cut you off, but you're right. Right. So I think what's interesting thus far about this World Cup is that there's it's been like a changing of the guard in some ways. Like uh, the fact that Italy's not in the tournament is just crazy, right? Yeah. And we've seen some of the crazy upsets with like Saudi Arabia and Japan, you know, Japan as well. Like I hope we see more like that. I don't want to see Brazil win the world cup every single time. You know, it's going to be the, you know, it's going to be Brazil or France is winning this. Most well, Spain. I, I think France is too good. Like, I think if you put Spain and France together, France wins that. Mbappe is on a tear. Right. And I think uh, you're right. There's a generational change. I think the teams, there are teams though, that are introducing new generational talent. I think France Mbappe, uh, Spain, Pedri, like these guys are, our next man up. Like the teams like Belgium and Germany, like they don't have the next guy, you know, they don't like not to that level, like not, not a guy you look at, you know, whoever. Another Fernando Torres coming in at like 17. Yeah, years old. exactly. Right. So, but you're right. I, I think just... you, there's, there's also like nations that are showing that they're not like. I just, that I Korea think... game today was nuts. Like that was unreal. I think so. I think soccer, I football, soccer, whatever you want to call it. I think it's only like I, it's the most popular sport in the world. But I think it's only actually only growing. Like I don't think it's like it's not shrinking by any means. And I think the more it grows, and the more the again the internet helps these other countries or whatever. You see, like you said, Saudi Arabia upsets Argentina. Argentina. Not much the Saudi Arabian kids are going to start enlisting in soccer, and you're going to start mm -hmm. finding these, like you said. Pro prodigious or pretty whatever prodigal prodigal um kids that are going to come through the system right and then you that's how you build strong nations so where do you see it shaking out then dustin what in terms of the world cup and who's going to end up winning it yeah like and not maybe necessarily winning it but like the, maybe the final four or eight teams oh jeez um cuz in my head it's it's brazil France, Spain, and again, I don't know how all the grouping works in the cross and depending on whatever, but if I had to peg a top four, it'd be Brazil, France, Spain, and probably Argentina. So I, I believe it's just group A plays group B and C plays D, et cetera, et cetera. So you're going to have essentially Netherlands and Ecuador, probably the ones that are going through in group A. And then the group to, that's interesting to me right now is the England, Iran, Wales, United States group, where I don't think the U.S. is good at all. 
And if but, Iran needs to win, so it's not like they're just like, we're through, we can take it easy, and the U.S. needs to win that game. They can't draw. But at the same time, you think the Americans want to lose the Iranians? Like that's <laughs> I, that, The storyline in that in of itself is nuts. Right, and they had the whole social media thing with the American national team, I don't know if you heard that thing, where they had, I don't, so I didn't see the tweet, so I can't comment on it specifically, because, and the tweet's been deleted since. But there was support towards the Iranian women protest. And uh, the Iranians were very upset about that. So, and by the support, I mean like the American national team, I think their official account or whatever, may have like liked a tweet or some shit. I don't know if it was like that minor or they'd actually officially said something or whatever it was, but um, they're not happy with the United States right now. And uh, I guess when you... Anyways, I'm not going <laughs> to piss off the Iranians either. Yeah. But nevertheless, there's some uh, heated political issues between those two countries. And it should be interesting. I mean, by the time you hear this episode, you probably would have already uh, seen the result of this game. But like, I think that that group is very interesting. I don't think the U.S. is any good, though. So I honestly think it might be Iran and England that go through to that group. So then on that side of it, do I think Netherlands, Ecuador, Iran, or England? I would hope. It would be England, <laughs> but they're like the Toronto Maple Leafs of this tournament, right? So you you never want to expect that they're going to go very deep in this tournament. And then Poland, Argentina are kind of the two teams that you expect to go through in their group, but Saudi Arabia is hanging around, so who knows? And Mexico is pretty much done. So Argentina, I'd like to agree with you that they're probably the one in that situation. So now I have England, I have Argentina. Um you gotta take France, <laughs> but France at some point is gonna play Argentina, so that's gonna be a problem. Uh, Spain, Japan, uh, probably Spain, and they would play Croatia or Morocco. We'll say Spain wins that easily. Oh yeah. And then so I get, and then it would be like winner of like Portugal, Ghana against Brazil, Switzerland. So Brazil, Spain. Portugal. The France-Argentina thing is, is is interesting to me. I, I, I think France obviously takes it. And then England, you would hope. So I think that's the final four. Um, we will certainly see. I, obviously, I can definitely see an Ecuador upset somewhere along the way. I could definitely see a Saudi Arabia upset somewhere along the way, too. It didn't look terrible. Like, it didn't look no. fluky against Argentina. Like, it, it wasn't look... like they got a couple... Kind of like how... Belgium's goal against Canada was like a defensive lapse by Canada and maybe a little bit here and there of luck and fluke and whatever. That game, that them went beating Argentina was not a fluke. So and their next game is in Mexico. Yeah. So it's not like they have a difficult opponent to get that second win. And the two wins is pretty much good enough for you to at least go to the second round. Like they might jump over Poland or I guess it'll depend on the Poland-Argentina game. So Basically, whoever wins Poland, Argentina goes through, and if Saudi Arabia beats Mexico, they go through as well. So, who knows? It, it's it's a mess, and that's the best thing about the World Cup, I think, is that there's so many possibilities when you get down to these last group games. Except obviously for you know shitty teams like Qatar and Canada, who <laughs> where these last games don't matter. Can I post a question to you guys? So you said the U.S. sucks, right? And I mean, like, they're not well. They don't suck. They're just not a great team. Um, do you think, and this is a little bit off topic, in eight years' time, the U.S. will be significantly better because they will have watched Lionel Messi play for Inter-Miami? I, I think mean, it always helps. I think right? get, when you have that kind of mind and talent, 
around other guys, it's hard not to just through osmosis learn from it. Well, I'm thinking again, more generationally that you're going to have kids who become interested and watch and and admire probably one of the top five players all time. Um, I don't I don't know because the greatest of all time because David Beckham came over here, and by here I mean he played for the LA Galaxy, and we are nowhere near Los Angeles. But you know what I mean? Like he came over but to that, North that America. That kick started and, MLS. Like yeah, I would say, right? And that definitely, I would say that jump started Major League Soccer. I think that is significantly more important than Messi coming to Inter Miami. Interesting. Well, because you think that was a lot. LA. But well, that's one. The fact that it's Los Angeles, and it was like, it put the league on the map. Whereas Messi is coming here to like ride off into the sunset and get paid a have, stupid amount of money. <laughs> Exactly. So I don't know if there's going to be like a generation of kids growing up that care about Messi. I think if you, you would care about him if you are, you would already know who he is if you cared about him. I don't know if him playing in Miami is going to make that big of a difference. We've had we've had a lot of players in MLS um, at the end of their careers. Like Schweinsteiger was here. Um, Henri. Henri was here. Ibrahimovic was here Ibrahim, for a yeah. bit. Um, I love, I love Zlatan. Jermaine Defoe came over at one point. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Um, Fuck that guy. bloody big deal. Um, bloody but, big deal. <laughs> but yeah, I just I'm curious as to what it does. Like I said, I'm kind of all on the the football bandwagon now. I'm, like I said, I'm probably gonna get TFC seasons. Um, and when I thought Yo, about when it, the, I, when Miami's here, I'll go with you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I was gonna say if you're gonna get season tickets to TFC, you should get them soon. Yeah, because once this messy deal is official i bet those prices are going up yeah so well at least for that game i don't know about the seasons will go up but those individual prices for that game will because they're, they're not going to play they're not going to play miami four times right so you can't charge for the seasons uh, but um yeah i don't know i was just curious because i i think in my head i think it's a big deal but in like practically like, because again Messi seems a, a little bit different okay so let me pause it to you this way what would have been a bigger deal? If Messi went to Miami or Ronaldo did? I think Messi. I think people like Messi more just character-wise than Ronaldo. But I feel like that's a quieter news. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like if Ronaldo did, there'd be a lot of... Like, Ronaldo was quoted as saying, I don't chase history. History chases me. Like, fuck you. <laughs> like, fuck you, buddy. Yeah, but there's also a time that Ronaldo couldn't even enter the States. Also true. <laughs> because of all the pending charges against him and allegations against him that he couldn't enter the country so yeah no i hear you i'm just i was just i, I know that's like i'm just being two guys you know, two guys probably sunsetting their careers like if it were me the, it, we, the incredible story is if they both came and they played on rival teams that would be unreal but that'd be crazy yeah because you don't see them play but well i mean we did in you know city uh Watching yeah. them play in Barcelona and uh, or sorry, La Liga and or Real Madrid, whatever yeah. Barcelona, Real Madrid. That was some of the best, and like, those teams were stacked. Like the heyday Barcelona, Real Madrid teams with you know because like Barcelona had Messi and I think they had Xavi at the time, and um, Neymar was on that team, and then on Real Madrid you had Ronaldo and Kaká, I think, and. You had Sergio Ramos on the back end when he was in his like mid twenties. Like, yeah, that was that was a war. Um, 
like as a side note though to soccer you know what i love and i wish like other countries embrace their like nerd culture a little bit more fucking japan's jerseys or sorry japan's kits were designed by the artist of a manga slash anime called blue lock which is about soccer and kids training to become part of the japanese national team and so the artist for the manga and the show designed the kits that Japan beat Germany in. That's legit. That's I, to me, that's cool shit. Like, why don't they go to comic book artists and be like in the States and be like, you know what? Do this and design. Like, I just think that's brilliant. Like that's leaning into your culture, embracing it and just doing something cool that tells like more of a story than just we got, you know, Pharrell to design the shoes for you. Like no one gives a shit. <laughs> well, I think the difference there is that the culture of Japan, I think can be characterized and carp and compartmentalized a bit easier than you can say, what's the culture of the United States and Canada has the same issue, right? Yeah. It's a North Where... American thing. It's like, it's the culture is ironically white, but like, what well, is that? Not just that, but like it's, it's, the, the countries are so big. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the culture of Southern Ontario, in which we live, is very different than the culture that is of, you know, Northern Vancouver. And that's very different than the culture that is in rural Quebec. And that's different than the culture in someone in Northwest Territories. Same so it's the, the same States, thing in yeah. the US. Like if you look at a New Yorker versus a Floridian versus or a Texan Kentucky, versus yeah. like, yeah, some guy in Kentucky, Tennessee, Seattle, yeah, it's all different. So part of me would say, oh, yeah, if you're going to lean into American culture, like you're you should have like a camo kit that has like guns all over it. <laughs> just burgers. <laughs> just, yeah, just, just burgers, pizza and like guns as toppings. For White Castle. Fireworks. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking a, a big AR-15 on their chest that shoots fireworks and hot dogs. <laughs> Joey Chestnut. Oh man, Joey, Ch good. Joey Chestnuts on the jersey. Fuck it. <laughs> and it's good. sponsored by like Blue Chew. <laughs> I think we're on to something here. I think we should uh, make a mock up of what our American uh, soccer kits would be. And there, plus, there's the whole like, I know it's just the fans who are like chanting it's called soccer and shit, which is hilarious at the same time because they also have another sport called football that they enjoy is actually their most enjoyed sport in that country is American football. And we enjoy it up here too. And we enjoy it on this show. And what a week in the NFL. It was week 12. And like you said off the top, I can't believe it's week 12 already that we are just a month and a half away from this season being over essentially. Not even a month and a half away, I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess yeah, about a month and a half. Yeah. It always trips me up because, like, the NFL season always ended around Christmas or, like, the week after Christmas. And I guess it's, like, there's one extra week now, so it's just, like, scrambling my brains a bit of when this season begins and ends. But week 12, I think the big storyline here is that the Jets are the Jets. They're good. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I know James has been saying forever that Mike White's pretty good. I did say <laughs> like that. They should probably I give Mike White that. a shot. Like when the season started and they went with Joe Flacco, what James like, what's happening here? Like, why is Mike White not the starting quarterback? Thank you. And yeah, here we are. 
He's a prolific. He was a very prolific passer in college, and he he did play like shit. I think it was against the Cowboys. I can't forget. I forget like last year he threw like four interceptions in a game, and he was pretty bad. But he's very like my brother said in the in the chat. He's very efficient with the football, and I think one of the things that was a criticism of Zach is that he wasn't involving a lot of the offense, and he wasn't spreading the ball out, and it was very. Like, they were playing a lot of old Jets football, so they were, like, running the football, and they were having success, and I get, like, if it's not broke, don't fix it, but at some point, you have to you have to build out the offense and, and get these guys in. Uh, Elijah Moore had a touchdown. Garrett Wilson had two. Like, the receivers were on. Like, I think White's stat line was, like, he was, like, 22 for 28 or something with, like, 315 yards and, like, three passing touchdowns or something, like... I had it in front of me. You are right, 22 of 28. He is 315 yards and three touchdowns. Oh, man. I fucking... I, I pegged that? <laughs> he was guessing. <laughs> dude, I was... That was, I was exactly ball- what it was. 315 dude, was ball- and three. Fuck, I was ballparking. I was ballparking it. Dude, I swear to God, I'm not even looking at anything. I ballparked it. I may have looked at it once. Um, wow, I'm proud of myself. Um, the... W. And like you said, and Dustin, I give you credit for for being honest and admitting the Jets have an elite defense. I've been uh, saying that for weeks. Yes. They have like top, top well, end all, defense. That's also law. Yeah. Well, it's, it's all solid and it's all, um, you know, sauce Gardner is, is unstoppable. Quinn Williams is having a monster of a season. Um, you know, they're, they're just, they're good. Um, they, they work together. And that's why I think the comments by Zach really pissed them off because, these guys are out here busting their butts and are top in the league. What the fuck are you doing? And I know Zach came out and he uh, he made his comments and he apologized, and which was good. I think it's something he had to do. And it was nice to see him not brooding on the sideline, which to me says he understands the assignment. Like he's not sitting there sulking. He was smiling. He was happy for his team and his quarterback, and that's what you need to see. You need to see a guy engaged with his team um, regardless well, if you're sh- in or not. It shows he's putting the team above himself in that right. moment, right? And I don't that, think it's the end. Of, I don't think it's the end of the line for Zach at all. No, God no. But what's but, crazy to me, though, if you look at this past week, Mike White was top five in passing yards, top five. You look at guys like Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Tom Brady. He had more passing yards than all of them. Which I don't know if that's, and here, the, I don't know if that's Mike White or, again, involving these players who are good players that weren't involved in the offense. Garrett Wilson is an elite wide receiver. He was. It's drafted. almost like Zach Wilson had no idea who that guy was. Because, and, uh, yeah. Garrett had great games when Flacco was in at quarterback. And then he disappeared when Wilson came in, when Zach Wilson came in. And now that Mike White's in. It's all of a sudden like Garrett Wilson's really good again. It's like, yeah. where is well, the should... disconnect here? I don't understand. What... I guess just some players connect better with other players. Or like some players are more suited for a different type of quarterback than others are. I think, I think Zach hasn't had the time to sit and understand the offense. Mike White has been in this offense for two years every single day. Right? Like he knows that playbook. Wilson's been in and out of being hurt. Um, like I said, had Brees Hall. When he was very successful handing the ball off and throwing short passes to Brees Hall. Um, last year, Wilson was very acclimated throwing to Corey Davis. Corey Davis has been hurt. 
I, I just I don't think they've had the time for quarterback and staff to gel the way these guys who probably were second options, second and third options for Zach, probably playing a lot of reps with Mike White on in practice. So, you know, I think I think there's some sort of connection there, but hopefully, you know, Zach on the sideline sees how successful these guys like they could have uh, like the most vicious receiving core if he involves them all. Like between Davis, Wilson, Moore, uh, Denzel Mims, even like, and then you take all the other guys that can catch balls, like Ty Conklin, uh, fucking Uzuma. Like, there's guys that can play ball on the offensive side of the Jets. You just have to involve them all, and you can't just have a safety net of, of the running back. Like, it just doesn't work in this NFL anymore. Not not long term, anyway. The other interesting game, I'll say, was the Seahawks and the Raiders, who just went back and forth all game, end up going to overtime with the Raiders picking up the victory in Seattle. Josh Jacobs. Okay, listen. Jingle Heimer Schmidt. <laughs> I don't wish ill will to anybody. But you're about to. <laughs> but for Josh Jacobs to put up 200 and 29 yards and it messed up your fantasy game wasn't it dude he single-handedly ruined my week dude <laughs> josh jacobs 42 fantasy points from a running back come on man that's, that's just uh, not fair that's joe mixon jonathan taylor uh by the way speaking of fantasy dustin you and i are playing each other in that one league you have 105.86 i have 105.26 and we both have one guy playing on opposite sides of the ball. I stopped paying attention to that league. Um, I set my lineup still because I'm not an asshole. But I've given up caring about that one. But are we actually that close? <laughs> yeah, dude. It's really um, close. You, yeah, I'm have... up by 0. 0.6 right yeah, now. And, both have and Pittman... one person to play. Who do I have in play? I don't even know who's playing tonight. Pittman. Oh, great. And he, has, he hasn't caught shit. And I have Fearmuth. <laughs> Who has zero receptions and zero yards so far. And I have Fearmuth. Fantastic. So there you go. Oh, the Muth. Yeah, both of the youth is not Leith. I watched the uh, I watched the Buffalo Lions game at work because <laughs> uh, you know it was a light day in the office and hope nobody of my bosses are listening to this. But threw it up on the second monitor and it was Thanksgiving, so we watched uh, well in the U.S. So we watched the Lions Bills game and that was dude that was an exciting fucking game. I know we're gonna get to our picks, but man, the Lions are <laughs> the Lions are on the precipice of something strong. I think with what they got. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, DeAndre Swift. Like, these guys are violent dudes. These are bad men. Um, and it's incredible to watch these guys. Like, it was the first time I watched the Lions game in its entirety. It's incredible to watch these guys play. Yeah, every week um, on FanDuel, I always make a ridiculous parlay of five guys who I pick to go over 100 yards. And, like, the, the usual suspects are, like, Justin Jefferson is the guy I always pick. CeeDee Lamb's the guy I usually pick. Um, Derrick Henry, I always pick to go over 100 yards. Justin Fields, for a long time, I would always say would go over 100 yards rushing. And that one had crazy odds, and always, it always worked out. But there's obviously, like, as parlays go, you'll get four right and one will be wrong. But one guy that I've started adding to that list is Amon Ross St. Brown, who in this game was 122 yards and a touchdown. Like, he is an elite wide receiver in this league. And he doesn't get talked about enough because he's on the Detroit lions, but the lions were right there against the bills. And 
Man, I don't know if it's that. It's probably a little both where I'm thinking, is it the Lions that are really good or is it the Bills that are just not as good as everyone thinks they were going to be? Now, obviously, Josh Allen is banged up and that dude is nowhere near 100%. And I'm sure that's contributing to the fact that the Bills are not running away with the division that we assumed they would have, regardless of how you feel about the Jets or not. I think everyone assumed that the Bills were going to win that division. Now it doesn't look like that at all. It looks like they are very beatable and the Jets or the Dolphins have an opportunity to take that division, which is madness, which right. is madness. If you could think about where the Dolphins were even earlier this year with how badly they handled Tua's health and people were talking about like Tonga Bailoa's career might be over, like based on how mm. poorly he, he was handled in dude. And now they're saying MVP. If he gets, no, if he leads into the division and into the playoffs, he gets, that's an MVP for sure. 100%. Dude, Maybe I that's would... a conversation for next week of like but, who we think our MVP picks are. But I, like, Tonga Bailoa very well could be MVP. We were yeah. talking about like speed wobble on the balls. Like they weren't being thrown properly. He couldn't throw far. And then we had Tyreek Hill coming out saying this guy's one of the best quarterbacks like ever. And like Tyreek played in front of Patrick Mahomes. Right. And I mean, like, again, on all the sports shows I watch, they're like, anyone can look good throwing to Tyreek and, and Jalen Waddle, but you still got to get the ball there, right? And well, the joke was Tua couldn't pass further than five yards. But but if Tyreek's saying Tua is one of the most accurate passers he's ever played with, I mean, I think we're starting to see it. Like, I think maybe maybe I was like, I'll say it, maybe I was wrong. <laughs> maybe Tua is much better than we gave him credit for. Yeah. Like, I, I'll be the first to say I had no faith in the guy. Granted, the guy had a lot of injuries. He had the rib injury, what was it, a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. Essentially couldn't move and couldn't throw properly. And then, obviously, the concussions this year. And maybe this is just seeing Tua healthy. This is what he is. And if you're if you're the Chargers, like, did you make a mistake? <laughs> I mean, you can't really say that for, like, another few years but oh i know but like everyone's i don't think everyone's still high on herbert but it's like i don't know man the guy i guess two hasn't done anything either but to me they're kind of like one-to-one right now i don't know that i don't really make an argument who you would have taken in that spot whether it was herbert or tua like i think i think Tua's closed that gap because that was a big area of this like contention is the fact that these two guys like one was chosen over the other at this point if you redo that draft, who do the Chargers take? I still think they take you Herbert. Take Herbert, I, yeah. Herbert has been very good. Like he's been shaky at some times this year, but he's still. A, I, you're picking between two franchise quarterbacks, and at times one's going to look better than the other. And it's, it's. I know it wasn't the same decision, but like if okay. you compare it to like, uh, I don't know, compare it to a Brady versus a Manning, it's like you can't go wrong between both of them, right? Well, I mean, Brady has. Six titles. Six Super Bowls. Manning has two. Yes, but in a vacuum, I don't think Brady is significantly better than Peyton Manning was. No, I think I, think I, I understand th- what you're saying. Yeah, I think talent-wise, Manning and like possibly football IQ. Yes, he was probably better. I think Brady benefited a lot from being with Belichick in the early. Learned a lot that as he got older, he transitioned. And I also think too that. While Manning probably had the head and the talent, I think Brady was just obsessive. Mm-hmm. You know, where 
you know, about the health shit. Everyone jokes about Brady's health stuff and his crazy regimes and things like that. And I think that's kind of what set him apart was that his talent wasn't far off from Manning's, but what really put him above was his, like I've said, obsessiveness and his attention to detail of the craft when it came to health and everything around it. So I think the last at least interesting thing from my perspective was the uh, Ravens and Jags game where the Jacksonville Jaguars came storming back and beat the Ravens 28-27. Um, the interesting thing to me is it's like that Raven secondary is so beatable. Like if you get into a rhythm, like you, they can't stop anybody. So from the uh, perspective the of defense a, is great. Yeah. From the perspective of a Ravens fan, like how do you feel? Cause I know there was a lot of optimism going into the season for this team. Oh, I was not optimistic at all. I'm actually surprised that they're in the position they're in right now. There's been so many injuries riddled on that team that I didn't think they had enough. And like their like their wide receiving core is horrendous. Like they don't not have a true wide <laughs> receiver. Who do they unless you're talking to? about let's talk about Mark Andrews, but like he's not a receiver. I mean he is, but like he's not. He's a tight end. They're they're a run first option run first offense and the first option is Lamar Jackson. Dude, the blessing and... is is that everybody in that division is playing the exact same football. Like they're all not the best. Like it's just not the best. Yeah. You know, like Yeah, with the exception of the Browns, uh we have seen a better version of all of these teams in recent years. So it's it's strange to see these teams playing the way they are. But man, Justin Tucker almost pulled it out though. 62 yards, was it? It was further. He lined up for a 67 yard field goal to That's win the stupid. game. And he was short he by short? what, like two or three? I'd say a, a yard. I bet he kicked that ball 66 yards. Did it? Okay, did they do it? Be like, hey, let's see if he can do it. Let's just try it. Dude, I or swear to God. Think- like, well, they're out of time, had, right? If, like, they, they couldn't run another play. So if he had made it, it was either had, throw a Hail Mary or kick a Hail Mary <laughs> if he had made it the, you you would have seen the ball go through and the next thing you would have saw was his leg like that's <laughs> like, that, wait what, what was it where the guy kicks the ball and it's about to miss but the leg falls off and helps propel it <laughs> do you know what I'm talking I think, about I know what you're talking about I think it was on Simpsons wasn't it was it Simpsons I don't yeah. I don't know but I, I remember exactly what you're talking about someone kicks a field goal and like all the crowds going oh it's missing and then like the severed leg comes flying yeah. into frame <laughs> It kicks the ball over the upright. <laughs> Sounds like a Simpsons. That's exactly thing. what I was thinking about. Yeah, but that would have been that that would have been one of the cool sports moments to witness, though, eh? Like a sixty-seven yard field goal. Do you think? Do you think? But dude, I think he's I made it. I think he's made it like in in practice. Like, I think yes, he has. Yeah. But that's with a oh, yeah. tee. He kicks from seventy at warm up, but that's like off a tee, right? So uh-huh. that's off a tee. No pressure. No nothing. Everything's lined up perfectly. You can take yeah. as much fucking time as you want. I I. Do I think he does it? I think one day he does. Um, it might be like a garbage game, end of the year, either the teams are in or whatever, they're out. He's close to done, and they're just like, he's like, you know what, 70 yards, let me try. So Yeah, especially if they get a dude in a dome or something, right? Yeah. Or with the wind or... Or in Denver, where it's like the air's thinner and the ball may travel a little better. So Well, because of that... Jaguars victory over the Ravens. James was incorrect on his pick again. And uh, also, to add to that, Maddie was incorrect with uh, picking the Seahawks over the Raiders. 
I, however, was correct because I picked, I, I made the very difficult decision of taking the Miami Dolphins over the Houston Texans. So the scores currently are eight for me, eight for Maddie, and five. <laughs> five for James. Uh, if you're unaware, we are playing a suicide-like pool where every week we're going to give you our locked-in pick of who we think is going to win this week. It's only one pick. However, we can't reuse any of the teams we used previously. So that being said, my pick this week is a pick I don't want to have to make, but I've already used 12 other teams. And at this point, uh, you're kind of left with what you are left with. And I am reluctantly going with the Philadelphia Eagles, which, I, you know, in a situation like this, it's never bad to pick a team that has like a 10-1 record or whatever they have. But... They're playing the Titans, and I don't necessarily think this is going to be an easy game for them. I think of the handful of games that the Eagles are going to lose this year, the Titans could very well be one of them. So I'm not overly confident about this one, but I have to pick them because they're really my only option. So my pick is the Eagles over the Titans. James. I need to pick up some wins here. And the best part about this is you guys are going, oh, it's Slim Pickens. It ain't Slim Pickens for me, buddy. I got easy dubs coming up. So I'm taking the Cowboys over the Colts. Such an easy pick. It is an easy pick. And, you know, maybe this is James's plan all along. Like, we're sitting here with eight wins. We're laughing at his five. But if all of a sudden he's going to rattle off. Playing 40 40 chess. I'm going to run the table now. I I only have weak teams left, to be honest. I, I took a lot of heavy favorites early. Like, I maybe took one or two like rough games but i've got nobody left like i'm picking i'm picking bottom 20 percent of the league from for the rest of the season um in saying that i'm going with i have faith in what jim said it's a mean team and i think they're better than what they showed early on so i am going to take the detroit lions over my boy trevor lawrence regrettably and even though the Jags had that comeback against the Ravens, I'm going to go with the Lions over the Jags. So there you have it. I have picked the Eagles over the Titans. James has picked the Cowboys over the Colts. And Maddie has picked the Lions over our boy TK. We will find out TL. next week to see who is right and who is wrong when we do episode 34. But before we get to episode 34, I did mention off the top that this show and this episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Now Your Treasures. Now Your Treasures are purveyors of licensed fine art prints for movies, comics, TV, and video games. It's sourced from galleries in the US and UK, which include artists from all over the world. Visit Now Your Treasures on Instagram and send a DM 43.6 to receive 43% off any order. All orders are shipped with tracking and complimentary insurance. View the entire ever-expanding inventory at nowyourtreasures.ca or .com. That's N-O-W-Y-O-U-R-T-R-E-A-S-U-R-E-S dot C-A or .com. And make sure you go to Now Your Treasures on Instagram. Send them a DM, 43.6, to receive 43% off your next order. Now, if you've been paying attention to the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know there's probably 43% off their defense right now. Where, you know, for the longest time, we've known that Jake Muzzin is 
probably not coming back this year. I think is a fair thing to say. His career might be over like, based yeah. on like the reports we're hearing about his injury. So I, we don't expect Jake Muzzin coming back anytime soon. Morgan Riley's also found himself on long-term injured reserve. That's not ideal. Then TJ Brody has ended up on injured reserve. So not long-term injured reserve, but nevertheless injured reserve. And then out of nowhere, Jordy Ben gets placed <laughs> on injured reserve. And we're told it's a week-to-week situation. So it's not even like they're expecting him back in the next couple of days. Like this guy could be out for a month or so. You look at this defense now that is missing three key pieces. And by the way Ben was playing, he deserved to be in, in exactly. Like I wasn't counting Ben in the three. Oh, okay. Like when the season started, you knew it was Dude. Riley uh, Brody, Riley Brody, Muzzin Hall. And then your bottom two, you assume would be Lilligren and Sandine, but Giordano is like in the mix. So like your top six defensemen, you're missing half of them at this point. And then Brody played so well that he came into that conversation as maybe even a real replacement for Jake Muzzin. But now he's hurt too. So this Toronto Maple Leafs defense right now is being quarterbacked by Justin Hall. Was When we started the season and they signed Jamie Benn and we were like, or sorry, Jordy Benn. Jordy, Jordy, fucking, they both start with Jamie. I wish Jamie too. Yeah. I just remember all the Winnipeg fans being like, this guy fucking sucks. And I remember all the Vancouver fans being like, this guy fucking sucks. And then he gets here and I'm like, this guy's played really well. Like, and is it because I'm just so used to watching like Justin Hall that I see Jordy Ben play and I'm like, or, or is Getting it spoiled by a guy who actually moved people? Yeah. Or, you know, or is that it? Like the whole leave defense is kind of like, soft that you see a guy play with a little bit of, of an edge and you're like this guy's fucking amazing um, I think but... that's part of it I think the other part is that he's only making $750,000 I think when guys and not the Hall's making that much money he's making 2 million but when you see guys you see the price tag beside a guy's name you start to attribute like a certain value to that player, the mistakes like... the mistakes have a cost <laughs> Yeah, so like if this guy isn't performing to the way you want him to, you start to realize all the things that they don't have currently because they're paying him X. So my thoughts on it are maybe the Leafs are just a better team than those other teams he's been on. The Montreal's when the past couple of years were not been great. The Vancouver Canucks, not been great. You know, like these are teams that probably asked him to do more than he probably could and didn't have the talent higher in the lineup that the Leafs do. Now, obviously the Leafs have their flaws. We know that, but let's not kid ourselves that how they're playing recently and their talent, they're a top five, 10 team in the league. That's not out of the realm possibility. I think he slots in better with this team. They say, Hey, look, we're not looking for you to play 18 minutes. We're not looking for you to, you know, step out of your comfort zone and whatever second PK minutes we're looking from you 12 solid minutes, just, you know, lock things down, maybe calm, calm some things down and whatever. And he's just like, you know what? Less is more for him. Mm -hmm. And he just slots better here. I think he was asked way too much, especially in Montreal. I think he was asked way too much. 
um, because they kind of went through the same thing, a lot of injuries on the back end, and he had to kind of move up a little bit. So I think with him here in Toronto is even though they have the injuries, they were like, we're not going to move you up. We'll move up Lilligren. We'll move up Sandine. We'll move up some other guys. Just keep doing what you're doing. And I think it just worked for him. Um, good news is with Brody's oblique injury, it looks like he's ready. It's just they're going to extend that a little bit to make sure they're not over worry. So he'll probably be coming back soon. Riley, you're probably not seeing until January. Um, again, Muzzin, if he ever plays again. But I, I think that's why Ben works out so well. And considering how the Leafs have been so hampered on the back end, and I mean, I hate to say this, Hall hasn't played terribly. You would expect him to come crumbling down with the 24 minutes a night. And for a guy who's had it as much of a rough start to this year and a rough last year, you would expect him to just buckle and he really hasn't. Right. So this team overall has played very solid with these guys out of the lineup, which, and we talked about this a little bit before Jim and me, and we were just saying, you know what, we should probably save it for this, but could you imagine if these guys played like this when all of their top defensemen were in the lineup, you know, more of a complete team effort, you know, the wingers coming down below the dots to help out a little more, the center playing more of he should, you know, kind of covering the front of the net or getting into the corner and more of a five-man defense instead of the whole, you know, two, three guys and the wingers already half out of the zone when it's a 50-50 puck. It just, it, it hopefully to me, this, what this does is that they say, hey, these guys are out of the lineup and we played really well. We found our team defense. We were all engaged in defense and which is turning around to offense because their offense has picked it up that when these guys come back, they say, you know what, this is how we're going to succeed. And they keep doing it. I think it's also worth noting that Matt Murray has been a rock. Oh, yes. And, and we all and we were all very sus with him going into the season. Not me. No one knew what to expect out of Matt Murray. Not me. Like we know we know he was real bad at times. Go back. No. Go back. Go back. We, no. I am I, saying I, collectively. No. Everyone. Everyone. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Everyone was saying this guy was real bad in Ottawa, but he's also won a Stanley Cup in Pittsburgh. And I know James had had said. That if you go back and look at his time in Ottawa, like there was signs of him playing, like of turning it around, and there was like flashes of him proving that Dude, he's not as 16 bad of as he 18, was. 16 of eighteen games, he was incredible, and then he fucking had two bad games and went down with an injury. And those two bad games, he happened to give up, he shelled for like eight, and yep. ruined his whole stats for the season, right? But you're right. I mean, he's been fucking incredible. I will say, you know. One thing in the last two weeks of Leafs that does continue to scare me, and yes, they're playing well, they're playing great team defense. There's a knee on knee for Austin Matthews in the Islanders, right? Who steps up to protect Austin Matthews? Well, the good thing was Sandine did, which right. I know Sandine's not the guy that should be doing it. No, he's not. But what, is, what message does that send to the rest of the league? When you have a 22-year-old Swedish five foot ten defense, and he's the guy answering the like bell. That. To me, it says these well, guys. These guys are ready for a gaping. That's what it says to me. Like they're, they're, 
they're ready to be like, taken advantage bear of. Bear in mind, and you guys know this better than I do, but like you can't just jump off the bench and fight somebody, right? No, you it depends on <laughs> right. It depends on who's on the ice in that moment. Right. So but... if Sandine's looking around, he's like, "Well, Lilligren's out here, Bunting's out here, and Nylander's no, out here." No, that's like, not I entirely true. I guess tag. I'm it. You know, that's not entirely true because guys answer the bell next shift all the time. You take a number, right? So the problem is there's sure, nobody on that I, I mean, you're right. No, I, I agree. But I, I mean, in that moment, if yeah. someone had to do it. The Leafs bench doesn't have anyone to take a number. And that's no. except for kind of Wayne Simmons. But, like, let's be honest. Like, Wayne Simmons is not going to. like not I, the Wayne Simmons of five years ago. Right. And he's also not playing every game. Like, the, no, they, the game tonight they, in Detroit. They sadly, the they sadly only play him. And I say sadly because it's kind of an insult if you're Wayne Simmons. Like, hey, dude, we need to be tough tonight. Can you jump into the lineup? Like, it's kind of like, it's a little insulting. Um, I think if you're if you're Wayne, but well, Kyle I, Clifford's back. He's skating with the Marlies on a conditioning stint. Yeah. So maybe. I just I look and I understand that, again, and like you said, the regular season might mean nothing. This is the kind of stuff that, come playoff time, if the team can take Matthews out of a series, like they're gonna try. Right, like they're. Oh yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna have some fourth line plug. Who's that? You know what? Take a run at him. Get into his grill. If you hurt him, whatever. Like I'm looking at Minnesota, oh. and listen, we played great. We beat Minnesota, fantastic. <laughs> Come playoff time, if I had to play seven games, six games against Marcus Foligno, Greenaway, and now Ryan Reeves, fuck that. You know, and and the guys on the back end, Middleton, like no, fuck that. Like they're gonna Dumba. Like these guys are going to destroy. Um come play i don't know like i've just that's again it's the one thing i continue to worry about that when i see a fourth line of mini mulligan um Kampf and and austin reese like and again i was all for austin reese's signing and he's he's played well but he's played more of a hard worker role as opposed to the guy like i i thought we would see more of a buzzsaw out of him and it seems more he's just a hard worker which is great but i think Still, and maybe it's just I'm a '90s, late '90s, early 2000s. You know, you look back at those successful teams of of Tucker, Corson, Roberts, like they were warriors, like and allowed guys like Sundin, you know, and McGilney to perform, right? Like they had space because of these guys. You know how many how many guys ran after McGilney or Sundin? Nobody did because you'd have to answer Roberts or Tucks, right? Like. That's the thing. The city loves, like, we love our talent. We love our Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner or William Nylander or high-end guys like that. But what we love more than that are your blue-collar, like, willing to throw it down at any time type guy. <clears throat> and it's funny because, like, this is coming from a dude who played a more physical style of hockey. So, like, I fully get it. But I also think that it's tough because the guys that you want as much as I love Ryan Rees and how he plays can't play like on a team like this, it's a black hole. You need a guy that can also keep up with these guys and chip in every now and then, and maybe, you know, get the puck and not be, you know, their stick isn't where plays go to die. Well, you know yeah, there's I mean? a reason he was given up for a fifth rounder, right? Like, yeah, there's a reason why he wasn't playing in New York, where he was beloved by that city and the team and the guys there, right? So it's tough. Because like in your head then, who would be an ideal guy? 
I mean, that's a, and listen, I've had this conversation with people, and I agree with you. I think what happens, I mean, Reeves had five goals and eight assists last year, but he was a minus 13. So, yes, um, it was. Dustin for, made a great, like, slip. Jamie Benn would be perfect because he's a guy yeah. who will throw down. The problem, oh, I but, made the slip, or James made the slip, but never the problem. The problem is that the Dallas Stars are doing wonderfully. Um, the, and so is Jamie Benn. Yeah. yeah. Um, the the players we talk about and the players we wish for are now unicorns in this league, right? Like the 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 tough guys with skill, because it used to be you were either skill or you're tough, and now there's a lot of skill, and there's a lower end of like really tough, and then there's some guys who are both skilled and tough, but they're like they're really hard to find and they're very coveted by their teams because they're that blend of of skill and toughness. I would um, say there's only one guy in the league that literally foots every bill. Regrettably, not playing right now, but it's probably Evander Kane. And he's he's one of those guys. But like you said, J- Jamie Ben is another one. I think again, it's it's tough, right? Because we're talking about guys that are completely unattainable. So I think you have to do it, like I said, almost by committee. With you know, you look at those gamers that that walked away from from Tampa, um, Coleman and Goudreau. Like they're perfect examples of gamers that. Um, you know, maybe not fighter fighter. Well, Goudreau would throw him down, but and again, I'm not looking for RoboCop here, right? It's it's just the the guys that are going to make you make mistakes, pay the price, and you're not gonna you're gonna second guess your your plays. And like Matt, you know this too. When you know that you've you've been pegged once or twice in a game, the next time you take a puck along the boards or in the corner, you lose a half second looking over your shoulder. Um, oh, 100%. The first first shift of the game, I'd always make sure to go out there and absolutely dummy somebody. It's like a, a D-man or a winger on the half boards because I would know that they would, one, be looking out for me, and two, if they knew I was on the ice, they would not want to touch the puck. Exactly, right? And that you basically owned the tone of the game. And watching those Leafs-Devils games, man, <laughs> if I ever... Uh, they might as well just handshake every time the puck changed hands. Like it was just, it was very like, and the, listen, both teams have incredibly high top end talent on their team. It's just uh, like you say, come playoff time, the game changes. And I'm still concerned about that. And I, and I don't know. And like Matt, I think you've said this to me before at this point, because Dubas, it doesn't have a contract. He's just all in on his, his yep. concept. Like why change? What's like, why? Yeah. Um, and here's the thing, and I think you hit the nail on the head where these guys are like unicorns now. Um, a guy like Barclay Goudreau, and hey, I'm all for a guy like that. JT uh, Miller. I, JT I think Miller. Goudreau mm-hmm. would be a great fit, and he's a former Branson Battalion, so he's he's gr- good in my <laughs> books. It's almost like I'm uh, <laughs> Kyle Dubas. Like, yeah. And he was a Sue Greyhound? Sue Greyhound? Greyhound? Yeah, because Connor, uh, Connor Timmons. Just... Does he know someone who's a Greyhound? <laughs> All right, cool. Sign him up. Yeah. yeah like, oh, his grandmother grew, like was born in the Sioux? Get him here. Just in saying that, though, qu- like quickly. Does he have a dog? Is it a Greyhound? All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's named Sue? We're in. Um, the Detroit Red Wings are third in the Atlantic right now. So, like, if playoffs started today, the Leafs would probably be playing the Red Wings. Could you imagine that as your first round? Oof. That'd be fun. Oh, I, I'm not going to lie. Back. My pants Big are getting back. tight thinking about that one. Well, I think there's a long way to go before that's going to happen. That's for for sure. sure. But yeah, guys like that are unicorns. Like Jim had said that it's, you don't get those guys. I don't even know 
because the those guys are on teams that are in playoffs, so you can't get them. So then, who are they on the teams that aren't in it that you would pick up? And those teams aren't going to be re- really willing to go out of your way to be like, you know, what, take them for a fourth round pick. We're good. They're going to say, you know, we know you need this. It's second round or or at minimum. And yeah. for a team like the Leafs, who's so cap strapped, exactly. And that's what I was getting to where. Even if the the Leafs were like, okay, we're going to target a guy like Goudreau. It's like, well, he was a free agent last year, and you could have got him, but it would have cost you $3.6 million a year for six years. But to, no, that, to, that, end, but, that's but not, to that end, that's not right? possible. And this is where I say things like this, right? Like, And where I start thinking it's not possible because we pay a lot of the same guy a lot of money. It would have been yes. possible if we didn't pay Engvall two point something million dollars. It would have been possible. Crop. Yeah, it would have been possible if... Well, you could have had Yarn if you didn't have, if you didn't have Engvall and Kerfoot, you could have had Yarn and Goudreau. And what duo would you rather have? Sure, but that's also assuming you're giving away. No, I understand. These guys I mean, for there's, nothing, there's, there's right? Like you're trading contracts out for free agents for so picks. That's not like... For picks, or well, I understand this. Um, I'm just saying, like, we, why we, as in the Toronto Leafs. Kyle Dubas do this to themselves, right? You sign these players for money for term, and then it's like, oh fuck, we're missing this. We don't have the money to do it. Or like you said, he doesn't even believe that he's missing it, and he just thinks that they're gonna skate really fast <laughs> their way through to a Stanley Cup. And I don't know that that's entirely possible. Again, same with the goaltending. Listen, I was all for Matt Murray, like you guys, and I. But I agree with you guys on this. This is a. Uh, a bet at best on these guys, Samsonov and Murray, like it's a, it's a gamble. Yes. Like there's no, 100%. Yeah, and like you said, these, I will agree. These aren't moves cup contending teams makes. I'm optimistic about Murray, but they aren't like they're, they're not. Um, look at Jersey. Jersey's not a cup contending team. They went out and got Vanacek who, you know, was for all intents and purposes was, was great in Washington. Right, so do you think I got a question for you? And I know this is tough to make it work, but if they could, do you think the Leafs try and swing big and go get both in two separate transactions and maybe involve multiple teams to kind of make it work in the money in, money out type deal? I think I know where you're going, Bo Horvat. And Matt Dumba. Okay, I did not know where you're going. Never mind. <laughs> so I think there's a zero percent chance Vancouver trades Horvat. Well, he's an unrestricted free agent. Still. I if they're nowhere close to the playoffs and you have a good sense that he's not gonna resign, you can't keep him. Well then, yes, given that scenario, I understand what you're saying. But right. And that seems okay. that seems what the likely scenario is. Like, yes, he's the captain. But at the same time, you think that dude wants to stick around for a potential lengthy rebuild or retool, you know, if he has the chance to both sign with an established team, maybe take a little bit less money and go somewhere that he doesn't have to endure that. Um, and for what he's putting up this year in terms of astronomical numbers and career numbers, I mean, the money, I, I'm not sure what the money would look like, but I'm assuming that's Kerfoot plus. And just or in terms of this, five. 
straight dollar. Five and a half, five and a half for Horvat. You know what? I'm gonna be typical. I'm gonna be guy on Leafs Talk Radio. All right, and we're back. So that Windows sound that you just heard was James's computer catching fire and uh, almost losing the entire episode. But fortunately, we had some uh, unintentional redundancy built in. So <laughs> we're um, lucky that like, okay, so like I, I pride myself on being kind of clever and pretty smart about like not necessarily book smart, but like a quick thinker, witty thinker. Dustin, you're a really smart guy. And Jim, you're a really smart guy. We're lucky that like we're three relatively intelligent dudes that we can figure out a resourceful way to save the audio. Yeah, we're lucky we're also yes. we're ambitious and tried to record video and audio at the same time from one computer so that the audio from the video file we can rip and save the episode so we can mash it. So you might have some slightly different sounding audio for this episode, front half and back quarter ninth or whatever is left of this show but uh yeah back nine. we're rounding 17 yeah but yeah I, I guess it was maddie's ridiculous trade idea of bo horvat <laughs> for uh angval and uh, kerfoot is what set james's computer ablaze but <laughs> i think just to put a bow on that yes the maple leafs need some help on the yeah. back end and we kind of did continue talking a little bit because dustin thought i was going to go with the eric carlson route um because the like there's like obviously people that prognosticate out there and kind of predict and say hey maybe if you get three teams you know carlson goes to hypothetically chicago and san jose retains you know 30 percent or 50 percent, and then chicago trades him to toronto and they retain 50 percent. then he really only costs like three million dollars for like the next five years but the premium you're gonna have to give to get those three teams all work yeah it's stupid at that point it's not worth it for a guy that for the past few years hasn't been great and is having a really good year this year it just says to me that it's like is he what he is for this first 20 games or is he what he's been for the past three and, years and again i say this is he what this team needs is no, he a nice to have enough. right and i think that's what it comes down to but um yeah that's it i'm good on the leaves that's all i got <laughs> all right so our last topic of the week is going to be a very special event that happened over this past weekend. And I say special because I think it's historic in uh, a way or two. Uh, this, of course, was WWE's Survivor Series that happened this past weekend. And I will say a few things quickly off the top. One, it's nice to watch a wrestling event that starts at 8 o'clock and ends just after 11. You know, I don't have to uh, drink a bunch of Red Bulls to stay up late to watch the marathon that is other uh, wrestling companies' pay-per-views. And it's also nice that it was like five matches or six matches, whatever it was. It wasn't like, you know, 15 matches and everyone and their mom is on the card. No, it's just, it's a show. And if you're good enough to be on the show, you're on the show. And okay, so, and most importantly, it was War Games. And that is something we would never have seen on Vince McMahon's watch. How many times that idea had been pitched to him and he said, no, pal. Not a chance, because it's a WCW idea. It's a WCW idea, WCW. and Vince McMahon uh, just hated anything that wasn't his idea. 
So the fact that we are only a few months into the Triple H regime, and I, I jokingly said this to my friend uh, as I was watching the show and said, God bless Triple H. <laughs> because not only was it war games, but earlier in the day when he tweeted out a video of William Regal yelling war games, even though Regal is working for AEW right now, like that's just awesome. And at the top of the show, Michael Cole mentioned that War Games was created by Dusty Rhodes for Jim Crockett promotions at the old Omni in Atlanta. I was like, what? What am I watching right now? Am I watching a wrestling show? That's well, not. People, people need to understand the meaning behind things to care, right? Like history creates care, like, right? Like, because it, it holds weight. And it's something Vince, I don't think, ever acknowledged or, or cared about. So you're right. Like, I think it's weird to hear it, but it feels like this is how it always should have been done. Yes. You know, I want to touch on a point you made real quick. You said having like a 6-7 match card versus like a 46 match card. I was thinking about this actually the other day while watching the show, and I was like, hmm, Bray Wyatt and LA Knight are not on this show when a lot of people thought they would have been. So here's the thing, though. Do you remember how long we've been clamoring for they need to build towards something? And if, because they have so many live events, you can't build because you every month you're just going there. So there's no build. Dude, I think they figured it out. You rotate the stories that build into different live events. So Bray and LA Knight will run until another live event. And that way it gets four months before it makes its way to a live event and that's perfectly okay and that's the way it should be so you're not you're not getting these culminations it's like this weird interwoven way of doing it and when i thought about it i'm like man that's fucking clever if that's what they're doing right it's a different business model than what it was before where it was almost like here's our book Chapter one is week one, chapter two, and like we're building to chapter four, that's the pay-per-view. And you have all these individual <laughs> books every month. Whereas now you have the ability to, because you have such a large roster, where your chapters can be one through eight. And chapter four doesn't have to be the pay-per-view. But the pay-per-view match can be chapter eight. And you can do a eight-week story. Well, yeah. That leads to a pay-per-view match. You don't have to do a four-week story just because you have a pay-per-view no, on that No, that day. story now, just you skips have... that pay-per-view. Right. Like it, you may have had to do that pre previously when your roster was smaller, but you have all these guys, and you're able to, and you have all this television time. You don't need to like jam everything into one show. No, you can let things breathe. And if Bray and LA Knight don't make that pay-per-view, if you know the New Day doesn't make that pay-per-view, if so that's fine. The next iteration of their story makes maybe not even the next one, but the one after. And that's completely okay. And that's what people need to wrap their head around. And I think the company needs to wrap their head around is not every story has to culminate at every pay-per-view or every live event. Like you can, you can go through them, like you can pass through them and that's fine. Um, so I hope we're seeing that because like, you know, maybe the next live event doesn't include a judgment day angle right and it doesn't have to this one had one this one had aj finn so maybe the next one is something has the the bray la night one instead right and that that would be totally cool 
you know so but in terms of the show itself man i thought it was okay i don't think i thought again the mvp is is the the bloodline right like they're the they're probably the best thing going in professional wrestling period um any wrestling highlight i have on my instagram like on reels and shit like that is anything to do with them like it's, it, all it's them. good and sammy was fantastic yet again like i don't is there is there an mvp of professional wrestling not named roman reigns better than sammy Zayn? no i think he's definitely like if you're giving out awards at the end of the year like most improved is sammy Zayn, and I, I'm concerned though of like <laughs> of where it's going because I know he's not long for this bloodline world, right? Like at some point, well, he's going to be ousted. I was like, are they going to turn on him? Is he going to turn on them? Like the the way they've done it is this can go so many different ways. Does does Jay lose it and you know go for the head with Roman? Does it involve the Rock? Like we talked about, does it involve the Rock? Like that's always kind of out there. You know, there's so many. You know, does Sammy save Kevin because he can't turn on him twice? Does the bloodline turn on Sammy before he turns on them? Does it lead to Kevin Roman at the Rumble? Does it lead to Sammy Roman? Like, who knows, man? You could do so many things. It's it's brilliant. So I think the way the, the chips are currently placed on the board here, I, I assume it's at the Royal Rumble, it's Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns. Something happens there. For the February pay-per-view Elimination Chamber, I believe is in Montreal. So like, I think that makes a lot of sense for that to be Sami Zayn and Roman in however way you want to put that together. And then at WrestleMania, it's Sami and Kevin against the Usos. Yeah. But just hypothesizing based on like the way the event schedule is broken do, out. But do you care I still no, don't have no idea. Do you care there's you no elimination matches? Does do I miss you? elimination matches? Yeah. God no, <laughs> God no, no. Um, I look. We all grew up with it, and that was Survivor Series, right? And it's cool looking back at them. And there's times where the matches really worked, and there's times where the matches absolutely didn't work. So I'm okay with them moving away from it for now. And if this could be like the next evolution of it, I'm okay with that. I think it works when we weren't overshadowed by bigger and, and crazier matches. I think things like Hell in a Cell, War Games, um, Money in the Bank, like these latter, like I remember watching the 95 Survivor Series, is it? 94? Maybe it's 95. I don't remember. It's the one I, with. I mean, tell me the match and I'll tell you what year it was. <laughs> was it the Razor Ramon, Jeff Jarrett? Because that was 95. No, it was, yeah. Well, them on the opposite team. It was uh, Bret Hart, Bob Backlund. 95. That was 95. That was 95. Chuck Norris, Yokozuna, Undertaker. I want to say I was 94, actually. But, you know, what? Uh, semantics. Right. Um, those those elimination matches meant something because, I mean, the the only other matches in the car were I Quit Match and the Casket Match, which is awesome when you think about, actually, you know what? Fuck this, man. Think about this. Think about that Survivor Series. You had Survivor Series, Last Man Standing, Elimination Matches, right? You had three of them, right? You had the Teamsters versus the bad guys. You had the clown, like, Doink, versus, like, the royal family. And then you had the Million Dollar 
family or whatever it was, the million dollar team, I forget who else, right? But then the concept of Survivor with the I Quit match, right? And the concept of Survivor again with the casket match, like that was a really well thought out theme that year. Just when you say Bob Backlund, I want to say it was 1994. But yeah. yes, like th there was times where, and I guess this is back when there was only like four pay-per-views a year. So they had more time to like plan this stuff and build to it and make people care about it. And there wasn't like six hours of television every single week where you got Monday Night Raw for one hour on Monday night. And that was it. And like, there's syndication stuff on the weekends. But in terms of cable television, there's one hour every week. So it was, there was more demand for their product at the time. And Survivor Series was, especially back then, was a thanks. It still is a Thanksgiving thing, but not as much as it used to be. I miss King of the Ring. It's coming back. Don't worry. I think Hunter will bring it back for sure. And here, so this is, so is the thing. This is, this is what I was kind of hinting at. We're like, it's nice that the company isn't a heel anymore. You know what I mean? Like, they kind of worked themselves into a shoot where on TV, Vince McMahon was like this maniacal, crazy, billionaire, and he horrible was. boss. That, and then in real, in, real, in real life, he was. And eventually, the fans started viewing the WWE as the bad guy. Like, they're this evil company that doesn't care about us just hate watching the product they would hate watch it exactly <laughs> so now where they've become babyface again where triple h is just trying to put on a show that people want to but watch. It's, and he's openly said too like it depends on fan feedback it depends on if they like it or not where i found that before it was like we have data that shows this is blah and we're going to do this and it's like well the, all the data you need to hear is whatever anyone's reacting to on a night in night out basis right that's all the data you really need um so yeah it'll be interesting i think I th again i thought it was a good show i don't i don't want them to, i hope they don't make war games the survivor series thing i hope it again i like them taking the gimmicks out and placing them wherever they need to to fit whatever it has to fit. Like a War Games at a SummerSlam seems like a great idea. Well, it's interesting that you say that because that did come up in the press conference. I don't know if you saw the press conference, but uh, one of the reporters asked Triple H that, like, do you see going forward War Games being removed from Survivor Series or uh, the other example they used was Hell in a Cell? And Triple H said yes hell in a cell is no longer gonna be a pay-per-view like he didn't say it in that in, in that way but like he essentially alluded to the fact that hell in a cell as a pay-per-view was done and the example that he used was if i'm and he used the example of him and mick foley in their uh feud where he's like we had this big long epic feud and at the end of it we challenged each other to a hell in a cell match and that made sense to have a hell in a cell match based on that story it doesn't necessarily make sense of like, we're going to have a long feud and I'm going to challenge you to a Money in the Bank ladder match. Like, well, that's, that's kind of dumb. <laughs> like, why would, so I guess his point is... He's using logic? <laughs> right. Amazing to use logic in wrestling. But like, his point is that if it's a match that should be a blow-off of a major feud, it shouldn't be tied into a pay-per-view because then you're in the position where you're forced into these blow-off matches when they don't need it. 
And when you do need it, you you can't use it because it's, you know, tied up in another pay-per-view. So I think he wasn't, like, totally definitive of War Games always being with Survivor Series. I think he might be leaning that way, to be honest. But he's definitely open to the idea of if the storyline needs this type of blow-off type of match, we will absolutely do it, and we will scrap it from the pay-per-view. So... I expect going forward, you will see as Maddie wants the return of the royal of, of the uh, King of the Ring. I think you will see Hell in a Cell completely gone. Uh, War Games, I'm on the fence with, but there's some things like Elimination Chamber and um, Money in the Bank. I think makes sense to be its own show. Like I think Royal Rumble is kind of like Royal Rumble and King of the Ring are probably like your standard bears of like this makes sense to be a show concept. We should just do big fours throughout the year. Each quarter have a big pinnacle pay-per-view. And then the other ones throughout are not necessarily small, but it's not like the massive production. So like you have your WrestleMania, your Survivor Series, your King of the Ring, and your Rumble. And then you space. Well, some of you're forgetting SummerSlam too. Okay, then I mean sure. But I mean uh, you could put so, uh, King of the Ring elements into SummerSlam. Yeah. Like, just like James is saying, like, you could put War Games into SummerSlam. Like, you, I mean, you could put both. Yeah. You could do that. You could overbook I... the shit out of SummerSlam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, like, just I kind of like... the bank, War Games, King of the Ring. <laughs> just call it, like, the, what, what is it? The smorgasbord. Summerfest. Like Jeremy Piven. We'll just call it Summerfest. Yeah. That's actually not a bad idea. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I kind of like the transparency, though. Because, you know, I relate this back to, and this is getting so nerdy, to Final Fantasy fourteen. The initial launch of that game was absolute trash. To the point, there's documentaries made on this game. To the point where they brought in a new director and producer. And he went full transparency. He had a full layout of what they were going to do. And, like, after the relaunch. He didn't tell anyone they were relaunching it. And then when they did relaunch it, and everyone was super surprised, he had a full transparency say, this is what our development schedule is going to be. This is what our cycle is going to be for patch launches. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to make the game. And constant communication to the point that leading up to every patch, like 6.1, whatever, he does these things called live letters, which are him sitting with like the community manager or the head of music or something. And they're talking about what's going to be launching in the patch and running it down. And that kind of transparency buys good credit with your fan base or with your people and i think triple h doing that and kind of coming out and kind of having that discussion with people and whatever it buys good credits with the fan because then they can see and say you know what i will invest in this because you're trusting me with telling me what your plans are so i'm going to trust you with buying into what your plan is right and i couldn't imagine vince mcmahon (laughs) sitting at a press conference being transparent and like sitting there and taking questions from the wrestling media. Like, could you imagine? How much did you pay that girl? That one was 75,000. Next question. <laughs> oh man. That would be uh, a press conference. I would like to go to. Do you think Vince he ever, McMahon. do you think you ever see Vince speak in public again? Yeah. I don't like so. I think he'll be inducted in the hall of fame. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I didn't even think of that, but at the same time, he never wanted to go into the hall of fame. I think, if I'm a betting man, and I, I am every week on football, but mm. if I had to bet on this, I bet Vince doesn't go into the Hall of Fame until he has passed away. Yeah, huh, it's possible. possible. 
But like, I mean, that's very orchestrated on his terms. But do you ever think he sits down with like an Anderson Cooper and does an interview? No. No. I mean, he's done it in the past, but like very he's too rarely. Old. He's too old. And at this point, mean, it's, it wouldn't benefit him in any way. Yeah, mm. just right off into the sunset with your billions of dollars. Like you can chill and bang all the 20-year-olds. Dude, there's already pictures of him having dinners with severely younger women. He's fine. Yeah. Yeah, he's fine. Is there really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Vince is living the life, bro. Don't worry about Vince. I'm going to Google yeah. Vince. <laughs> and while you do that, I think it's time for everyone's favorite segment of the show. Show, show. That's right, it's everyone's favorite segment of the show. It is called Shoutouts. It is the time of the show where we get to listen to Maven's entrance music. Probably the most... You know what? That might be a top five one day when we get back to top fives of the greatest wrestling entrance musics of all time. Yes. Uh, Maven's yes. definitely got to be up there. That actually be a good top five. I'm, I'm going to write that down. Um, I have... So uh, to explain shoutouts, in case you're joining us for the first time, shoutouts is just uh, a way for us to end the show on a high note and we... Uh, say some nice things about someone or something or anything that we ch choose to uh, end the show on a high note. I am going to defer to Maddie first because I feel like we may have the same one. And if he uses mine, I will pivot to something else. Uh, obviously, I think just standard wise for all of us is shout out to, you know, the men's national soccer team and Alfonso Davies scoring the first goal. I think that's just a standard blanket one. Um, but honestly, like this week's been an odd week just because I've been so focused on like other random shit. So I'm going to shout out like you guys of being able to recover this episode from the depths and the abyss <laughs> that we're able to salvage it. And because we could have just been like, you know, it's 10 o'clock, pack it speaking, speaking early, man. We haven't finished recording. Like there's, there's time. There's time to fuck this <laughs> up. But you know what? We made it work and we grinded it out. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where my one's going to go this week. Um, I'll go next. Mm -hmm. So this has briefly come up on the show a few weeks ago. I think we were talking about Grandin toy and how I went to a meet and greet for the green ranger. Ooh. And you're like, Jason David Frank, the actual, like, no, not Jason David Frank. It's just some clown dressed up in a, a green ranger costume. But when I was a kid, man, the Green Ranger was the shit. And then, like, after the Green Ranger retired, it was the White Ranger. And I was all in on the White Ranger, man. Do you remember and... when they had the tease where he was, like, in the floor, like, pod? Yes. Yes. I remember someone, I, I don't, okay, I remember the scene vaguely, but I remember someone, like, looking through, like, almost like Metal Gear Solid Billy. when he's looking through the, the vent Billy. down at Merrill. Yeah, it was Billy Sorry, was it looking it? at it. it was Billy, Billy? Busted, Billy busted Alpha working on him. Um, also, fun uh, Power Rangers fact. Do you know Billy's last name? Zane? <laughs> no. <laughs> Billy, Billy Cranston. Yeah. And it's actually named after Brian, Brian Cranston. Cranston. Yeah. Who was involved in the show in some way. I think he no, did something he about was, Zordon. He was Zordon in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, so in the new movie, Billy's last name Cranston, I think, was Brian Cranston. Yeah, they just gave him Brian Cranston's last name. Anyways, yeah, uh, yeah I remember that scene of uh, Billy looking down into the vent and seeing, like, the construction, almost, of the White Ranger or whatever the fuck they were doing to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I remember when I was a kid, I dressed up as the White Ranger at one point for Halloween. Um, and it wasn't like the regular suit. It was the ninja suit from the movie. Oh, <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he gets the, what was his animal in that one? Oh, God, I don't remember. Everyone had like a different animal in that movie. Black Ranger was a frog. <laughs> I think that, <laughs> and when he kissed, when he kissed a frog, it becomes a prince. Oh, God, <laughs> that movie. Uh, we loved as kids, but I'm pretty okay. sure it's not a good movie. I'm gonna go watch, back I'm gonna watch it. Super go back high. and watch that movie. <laughs> watch super come back, we'll have a review next week. <laughs> but, but yes, uh, so yeah, Jason David Frank did pass away that last week, and I think for all of us growing up in this age bracket, that we were all so hugely influenced by Jason David Frank and uh, the Green Ranger and the White Ranger, and it sucks, uh, but. I think it's good if we all remember him fondly and remember uh, those characters that he played fondly. Well, yeah, he embraced it where a lot of people might distance themselves. And a lot of the Power Rangers people, they would do the convention circuit and stuff, but like you wouldn't really see much from them outside of that. He fully loved it. He loved being Ranger. He loved being in the culture of it. And I actually saw a really cool video of him. Um, couple days ago and he's at like outside of a store which is doing like a small signing and he's talking to people and he was just like I, i'm paraphrasing but he had said something of like you know people come up and say you know you're my hero and things like that and he was like some people get tired of that he was just like you know he's like i want to tell you and it, it kind of sounds arrogant but when he finishes it off it's not like he was just like i will tell you i will never get tired of that because to me, he's like, I'm here for you. And to know that I've impacted your life in any small way, he was just like, the least I could do is to, to continuously love doing this and being here for you people. And I just think like, he was just such like a dude about the fans that it was mm -hmm. just, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. And I will say like, if, if you're ever struggling, like fucking reach out, like don't, don't suffer in don't silence. Don't live on an island yeah like it's it's not worth it it's not you think you think there's uh there's a positive but you you and maybe you know i can't speak to anyone else what anyone else experiences but i tell you, you leave a lot of pain and hurt behind so um yeah don't you know even if you somebody will answer text text a million people somebody will answer um so yeah it's unfortunate to see a guy like that pass but like man what a what a cool legacy in such a a cool environment to to have um uh, tommy was a falcon in that movie that was, right. it was a bird. the black ranger adam got a frog kimberly got a, got a crane yeah yeah billy was a billy wolf that wolf. was dope actually that was sick and the yellow was a a bear for aisha oh yeah and rocky had an ape <laughs> oh yeah fucking rocky yeah don't forget, Tommy was also a Red Ranger for a while. Yeah. Um, and then, wasn't he a Gold Ranger at some point, too? No. I mean, I lost Power Rangers lore like, way the Gold after, Ranger was like, Jason. Way before all that happened, but... When Tommy no, was Red, Gold came back as Jason. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. My shout-out goes to... I'm going to say it so retail workers this past week and for the rest of the year man it fucking sucks being a retail worker i know that i've been there black fridays and all these sales are 
listen, people just, they live, like, some people live to come in and shit on you. Like, that's what they want to do. Um, and it's, you, you put up with a lot of people bitching about stuff. I went into Bath and Body Works and they fucked up my receipt and somebody had to like return and resell me everything for like a lot of stuff, like three times. And they were so happy and happy to help and like really cool about it. So I'm going to give them a shout out. But in general, um, if you're one of the retail workers that stuck it out and we're like a good sport throughout all of it, like, you know, people can be shitty, but like you do, like you, you make or break people's holidays. So thanks. And in, Absolutely. And in saying that, if you're someone who is shopping and you see someone being a shithead to someone like that, stand up for them. I'm not saying you have to cuff somebody, but just be like, hey, <laughs> that's unacceptable. Or, hey, you don't need to be a piece of shit. Yeah, like, you can uh, threaten to throw them off a three-foot yeah, balcony. You, you can call them a three-story balcony. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, a 16-year-old me, now now 34-year-old me would probably just be like, hey, get one of these. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes, you absolutely should appreciate your retail workers and thank you to them. And thank you to you for tuning in to episode 33 of 43.6, the sports podcast you always wanted. We were brought to you by Now Your Treasures as always. And we will see you next week for episode 34.